And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kewl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kewl. And ladies and gentlemen, yes, the playoffs have begun. It is awesome. The coffee's about halfway gone. There has been so much action over the last, over the first couple days of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're going to get to all of it today. Now, yes, there's a couple Game 1s that still have to be played. 8 o'clock tonight, we're going to see Game 1 down in North Carolina. Nashville taking on the Central Division champion Carolina Hurricanes. Also, later on tonight, 10 o'clock puck drop, 8 o'clock local time there in Denver at Ball Arena. The Colorado Avalanche getting ready to set to take on the St. Louis Blues. Two of the matchups that are probably the most lopsided, at least on paper. However, we've learned in the first couple of days, folks, that paper does not win hockey games. As crazy as it sounds, guys, you could possibly lose if you are the favorite. I know it's crazy, right? Because all of a sudden you're supposed to be the favorite. You're supposed to be the number one team. You're supposed to win everything, right? Wrong! As we've learned, we'll get to all that and more as this show goes along. But don't forget, though, guys, I'm not doing this alone today. Dare I say not. Why would I? Why would I do this alone? Because that's my wife's in the apartment. Yes, for a little bit. So technically, I'm not totally alone right now. But later on, though, when she does leave, I will be alone for only a little bit, though, because 630, we'll be talking with Pat Micheletti. Remember him? We've had him on a couple times. Great guy. Great hockey analyst. All loves college hockey. However, also works with the Minnesota Wild. We'll talk to him about their series. They got a win yesterday in game one against the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll talk about that series and St. Louis and Colorado. Obviously, got got to see a few, see those two teams a few times when covering the Wild, so he'll have an idea or two about them. Also, coming up at 7.30, when we need to talk about the North Division, right? They start Wednesday and Thursday, mainly because of the Vancouver Canucks wearing their shirt because they had a heartbreaking loss last night. If you guys stayed up for that one, they lost 6-5 last night to Calgary in one of their useless regular season games. Well, not useless. It's just, I mean, for, you know, for lottery purposes, but for the rest of us, it doesn't matter. But that's why I can wear this shirt because it's pretty neutral given the fact that, well, uh, they're not in the playoffs. But we'll be talking with Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet's Kyle Bukoskis to break down the two series up in Canada, Toronto, and Montreal for the first time since 1979, and Winnipeg and Edmonton for the first time since, I believe, 1988 or 87. Not quite sure. It used to be a classic Smite Division battle, so it'll be certainly, want to stay tuned for those two lovely interviews. But before we get to all that and all this lovely playoff talk, we got to thank our awesome sponsors here on 12-Ounce Sports, make sure I point at the right angle. 12-Ounce Sports, got to make sure we thank them because that's where we're on, and they're letting us go on the show here today. Whether you're watching on Twitter, Facebook, Zingo TV, uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, of course. And so I'm like, my gosh, am I missing one here? Here on 12-Ounce Sports or 12OunceSportsRadio.com. Make sure you check them out. If you want to use Zingo TV, it's free. Just got to use the promo code 12-Ounce, one, two letters O and Z or Z for you improper English users. Also got to thank our sponsors, mybookie.ag down there in the corner. 12-ounce sports is the promo code. If you want to sign up for free, get a few extra bucks in your back pocket because you got a lot to gamble on, guys. A lot of sports to be talking about here. We got, of course, the NHL playoffs. I wouldn't bet a single dollar on a single game because, boy, would I be losing money already. Major League Baseball is a little bit easier, right? 
bet on the Toronto Blue Jays hitting at least one homer a game. That's an easy bet. Prop bet, if you will. NBA basketball, they're starting their playoffs up here soon. Obviously, you can bet on that as well. And, of course, the WNBA starting up. I think you can bet on them on mybookie.ag. Be sure to check them out. Win and get paid on mybookie.ag. Promo code 12OUNCESPORTS, just like it says there in the corner. Just, just type that out in your promo code, and boom, there you go. You're on free. And, of course, as always, Second String Leather Company up there in the corner. So many collections, so many awesome products. Sales up the wazoo. Wallets, bathroom bags, keychains, coasters, pillows, T-shirts, I mean, you don't really need toques right now because it's pretty darn warm outside. I believe it was, let's see, it was about 75 today here in Michigan. So that's about, what, 20, 27 degrees, 25 degrees Celsius. Yeah, about 25 Celsius up for our fans up in Canada and around the globe. So much stuff you can get on there as well. Go on there. Hashtag crafted from the crease, secondstringleather.com. And, of course, forgot about these guys the other day when I talked to Shannon Walsh of Slapshot Sweethearts Podcast, but we have our own merchandise as well. Teespring.com slash store slash the-cool-show. Of course, if you're just watching the replay, of course, on the Cool Show YouTube channel or listening to it, the link's in the description. Just copy and paste it, Control-C or Command-C for you Apple Mac users, and then Command-V or Control-V on your devices, or you can just click it if you're on your phone, because then you can just do it that way, and boom, there you go. You're on the site. Get our awesome swag. I wear the swag. I just I had I haven't done my laundry yet, and I want to smell nice when I do this show, even though I'm the only one in here. Regardless, awesome. Check that awesome stuff out. Huh. Well, so let's let's discuss here, shall we, children? What has happened the first couple days of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Bunch of nonsense. Let me tell you. Let's start off with I think the probably. The best game of the first two days of the playoffs. The best game, and it didn't even go to overtime. The Tampa Bay Lightning getting game one victory down at the BB&T Center in Sunrise, Florida, over the Florida Panthers. Game one of the first ever Battle of Florida in the playoffs. Guys, this was the best game by far, at least for the first couple in the game ones that we've seen. The first four games that have been played in these playoffs, the best game so far. Who would have thought that the Florida Panthers would host a playoff game and it would be the most electric atmosphere in the playoffs thus far? Who would have thought? Now, we'll discuss this when we talk with both Pat Micheletti and Kyle Bacoskis later on, especially Kyle, because there's going to be no fans at all for any of the Canadian matchups in the North Division. It was electric from puck drop. It was entertaining. It was fun. It was physical. It was playoff hockey in a nutshell. How could you not enjoy that? If, and like, and I said this guys, I did pick Florida to win in seven. Remember, I'm going to say that I'm going to stick to it because you want to know why Joe Quimbo is going to make the right decision on a goaltender. We'll get to that here in just a moment, but the game was entertaining. At what point were you bored last night? With the exception of the intermission, which was required by the rules of the National Hockey League, and so us fans could sit down, relax, take a breath, because, boy, there was a lot that went on during that hockey game. Cross-checks, post-whistle scuffles, goals being scored, players bickering at each other. Oh, and we had a suspension already. (sighs) Listen, for all the hits that happened last night, yes, Sam Bennett's was probably the worst, and that's why Sam Bennett is going to be suspended for one game after the hit against Blake Coleman. But then again, take your pick. 
that we have to remember that Mikhail Sergachev dumped him from behind? Not even a fine. And I would have thought that in playoff hockey that George Peros was going to let everyone run rampant and try to kill each other. There was a knee last night. You guys missed that? I'm just saying, if you're going to suspend one hit, you better start suspending all those hits that happened last night. There were more than a couple of boarding calls on both sides that could have drawn a few more arms and a few more phone calls from the Department of Player Safety. However, you know what? I'm feeling a little bit better today, guys. We're not going to go tearing into him. And also because I only have 20 minutes before McLennie comes on our program. So I'm going to save that for another day, even though I've done that enough times this year talking about the Department of Player Safety. But the game was fun to watch. I had it on the big screen in the living room. The wife was watching. The wife who wanted to watch something else. I think Harry Potter had one of those Sunday marathons that they had like every Sunday on sci-fi she wanted to watch. And I turned the game on and said, because this game would be a lot more fun. And boy, was it. I mean, she's like, how do these guys hate each other? They never play each other in the playoffs. Well, you play each other eight times a year like they did this year. You're going to get sick of each other. And the fact that they were a lot more competitive than in years past. Remember back in the 2000s, post-John Van Beesbrook, I should say, with the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning, when LeCavier and Marty St. Louis and Brad Richards would just walk over them, easy two points every game, no matter what Roberto Luongo tried to do. And even when Florida was good, they won the division 2016, Tampa still played them pretty darn tough and gave them all the heck they could handle. And that was, of course, that was the year in 2016. Then I think Stamkos or was Victor Hedman got hurt. Regardless, Tampa did not do the best that year in 2016. They ended up making it to the conference finals because they got a pretty good draw. But I, I just, I remember that series or the, the whole, this coming into this series was like, all right, this actually has the makings of Florida possibly winning. However, Steven Stamkos came back. And Nikita Kucherov came back for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let me tell you, and I'm not going to, listen, I'm not getting into the whole, oh, LTIR, blah, blah, blah. Listen, it's part of the game. Until the CBA changes, until the rules change, guess what, guys? Nobody's going to feel bad for the Tampa Bay Lightning or they, they can't pull it. Because guess what? Who cares? Who cares? If your team pulled it off, I'm pretty sure you'd be happy as well, wouldn't you? You'd be pretty ecstatic if that were the case. If you guys were able to hold off a player for the entire year and then boom, you're $20 million over the cap, but it's the playoffs. Who cares? Kucherov, by the way, scored two goals last night in the second period. Are we shocked? Of course not. He's a former Hart Trophy winner, former Hart Ross winner. That team is stacked, and we're seeing it. Why? And we're seeing why. We're seeing why this team won the cup last year. Andre Vasilevsky, even though he allowed a couple of... Uh, questionable goals we'll get to another goaltender here later but that was the epitome of what needed to happen for Tampa to win they needed their big guns to come out and they did of course we should probably mention Braden Point the guy that played the entire year for the Tampa Bay Lightning gets the tying goal in the third period and a little bit later on gets loose on a breakaway dances way on in as soon as you saw him behind the defense by the way Absolute defensive breakdown by the Panthers. It was game over. But Sergei Bobrovsky, no, Sergei Bobrovsky, I do not care. I do not want to hear this, oh, but 2019 when he saved the day after giving up three in the first period. Well, he gave up three goals. He gave up five to be exact in this one. 
This is not the same Sergei Bobrovsky from 2018-2019 children. Which parlays to the question, do you start Sergei Bobrovsky in game two? I've heard a lot of people say two different things. I've heard people say, you go with him. You know what? He's the guy that was able to pull it off. Give him a second chance. Let him try to battle through it. He's your goaltender. He's, you're paying him to be your starting goaltender. Let him give him a shot. And on the flip side, I'm hearing, well, Chris Drager's having a pretty solid year. He's got better numbers. Why not give him a call? Because here's the thing, guys. And I made this mistake last night when I appeared on World Hockey Report. Adam was kind enough to uh, correct me. He, I remember I said Tristan Jari. Like I said, we'll get to him in just a moment with Pittsburgh. But I said that was his first start. It's actually his second start of the playoffs. He played in Game 3, remember, against Montreal in the play-in round. So technically I was right. First start of his playoff career, but of his postseason career, it's his second. So I was half right on it. I will we'll go with that. But Chris Trigger has never started a game. But going back to the Tristan Jari thing, Tristan Jari got put in a bad spot. Pittsburgh was already down 2-0 in that series against Montreal. Once they started him, it was over. You gotta give Drieger a shot now. If you want, if you're gonna try to have him bail you out in this playoff, he needs to start in game two. You can't risk going down 2-0 on home ice, by the way. And dare I say it, the BBT Center is true home ice advantage. You gotta give Chris Drieger a shot now. Because if you don't, you're going to put him in Game 3 in Amelie Arena in Tampa where there are going to be more Bolts fans than Panthers fans, you would presume. And the kid's going to get a little rattled. I get it. He's had a great year. He's played well down there. But now that the fans are really ramping up in the States, he's going to be a little, I think he's going to be a little on edge and he's going to play a little hesitant, won't be as confident, and that's what's going to cost him. And boom, Tampa do- does it in four. you got to start him in Game Two, if you want him to try to bail you out. I, I mean, like, unless, you know, something happens crazy, like Sergei Bobrovsky comes out and puts together a 37-state performance and Florida wins game two and they're back in the series. Okay, that'll be proven wrong then. But if you want Chris Drieger to be, now that you're down one nothing, I'm not saying it's panic time yet for the Florida Panthers, but Tampa's feeling confident because Kucherov's back in full swing. Stamkos is the one feeding him the puck over there. Oh, Braden Point scoring a pair of goals as well. Victor Hedman may not be 100%, but boy, he doesn't have to be when his offense is about 120%. Get it? Because they're 120% over the cap. I digress. This is the perfect spot for Tampa Bay. Had Florida won that game, had they held on in that third period, yes, Bob's getting game two, and Florida, they're not thinking about Chris Drieger at all. However, by the way, the people that are saying Spencer Knight, calm down, okay? He's not John Gibson. (laughs) He's good. He's not John Gibson. Spencer Knight's good. He's not John Gibson, all right? You can't just throw him in the playoffs like that and hope for the best. But I like... Florida's not out of this yet, but they need to have a goaltender in game two that they can trust. I get it. Some people were like, but Bobrovsky made a couple of big saves in that game. You're right, friend. He did. He made a couple of big saves right before that goal by point. I think the first or the second one. He made a couple of big saves in tight. The crowd's going crazy. We got this, guys. Let's go. We're going to win this game one. And brain point says no. So with that, you need to find a way. If you're Quinville, yes, you know how good Bob is. You played him in the playoffs, heck, back in the day when he was coaching Chicago. They were in the same division, the Central together. But you got to have your team know 
all right, we're going to go with this guy or this guy. And you got to know that that team is going to play in front of them to 110% because they, if they, if not, if Bob lays another egg, I don't care if Drieger comes out and tries to put his, you know, plays a game of his life in game three and four. It's not going to be enough. Tampa's going to feel way too confident going into that. They're not going to have any chance of coming back and winning this series. It's not a good spot for them. So I, like I said, still got Florida. Not panicking about Florida yet. There's a lot of time to panic about Florida. Like I said, game two is tomorrow night. Moving over, staying in the Eastern Seaboard, but going to the East Division. We'll go over to the Central here and the other division, the other series later on in the program, right? Probably in between Micheletti and Bukowskis because we got to talk about Nashville and Carolina. Talked about them on Thursday when I previewed the series, but there's some goaltending discussion with that. But let's go with Washington and Boston. They play game two here in a little over an hour. We thought that was the best game. Like, oh, wow, great way to start the postseason. The lone game on Saturday, excuse me, the lone playoff game on Saturday night. Edmonton played, but who cares? They come out, Washington does, just the way you like it, hard, physical, fast. Tom Wilson not killing anyone yet, but it's only game one, and he scores the first goal, and everyone's like, oh, boy, here we go. Tukarask plays okay, but the real story for Washington was the first goal that was given up by Vitek Vanasek. And why it was such a big goal? A, because, boy, that's a weak goal to give up. From Jake DeBrusque off the draw, underneath the legs, not necessarily the straight five hole, but you got to stop that. But Vitek Vanasek pulls his groin. Well, pardon me, we're going lower body is the official word. He pulled his groin, kids. I... When I, because I, so here's what was going on. We, my wife and I were looking for a house right now. We were house hunting and we, we get back to the car. I turned the game on because the game had already started when we were looking inside a house. I turned the game on. All of a sudden I see Jake DeBrus score and I see him halfway in the splits. And I, I don't know what the heck was going on, but I see him crumble over and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I watch it back in the replay. I'm like, he just pulled his groin. And he is done. Like he he limped. He didn't limp off the ice. He got kind of pushed off the ice. But man, I I don't think there is a more panic. Like remember, I picked Washington in seven. Washington in seven. I picked Washington to win the series. And right then and there, when I saw Craig Anderson, who by the way, remember, children was signed on a basis of a PTO because Otto was not going to sign him after last season, not because of. I mean, and the whole team was bad in front of him, but because he was older and they wanted to move on. And they got also got Matt Murray, so that certainly helped. Here's the thing, though, guys. I was not confident in Craig Anderson, who I'm trying to figure out. Let me quickly pull this up, kids, because I haven't checked this yet. Had he even played a game yet? That's how much of an afterthought Craig Anderson was during this season. Hold on a second. Let me scroll, scroll, scroll. Craig Anderson. Okay, he did play in four games during the regular season, went two and one. So I guess it's not the worst thing in the world that he got in the game. But the crazy part was, for those that watched the NBC feed, was it uh, was it Boucher or Jones? No, it was Boucher, I think. Someone on the NBC broadcast, I'll just go with that because I'm not quite sure off the top of my head, says, you know, you never know if Vanisek gets in trouble, you can just tap Craig Anderson on the shoulder. Face-off win, goal, groin pulled. Literally on pace, on beat all together. That's how it went down. Hockey gods say, you know what? You're right. Pull your groin, young man. And 
to the people that came out, well, the, well, the first thing that I remember happening was, I think the big one was people were panicking about what Kelly Rudy said during the uh, hockey night. Can- I think it was on hockey night in Canada in the intermission said, that's because he wasn't ready. You should not injure yourself on a, uh, while you're stre- like doing a stretch. Cause remember Kelly Rudy was out there pretty quickly to go after a young man by the name of Matt Murray. And I remember that because that was the year Mark Andre Fleury dang near led the Penguins to the 2017 cup before he kind of got Shelton game three. I think it was against Ottawa in the conference final. And I remember I'm like, yeah, that's true. You should. And that was when Murray pulled it in warmups, pulled the muscle in warmups. So I don't know what the deal is with Vanasek, but it doesn't seem like he's going to come back anytime soon. Sounds like Anderson's getting the call again tonight. And let's be honest, guys, he played well. Stopped all 18 shots he faced. Nothing was flashy. Nothing was extravagant, but he did the job. He did what he needed to do. He didn't need to make... He didn't need to make a big, big, massive save. But the one thing I remembered, the first thing that clicked in my mind was, who did Craig Anderson beat in that 2017 playoff run for the Ottawa Senators? The Boston Bruins. So this guy knows how to beat Boston in the playoffs. Unfortunately, he didn't share any notes with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but that's neither here nor there. But you know what? It could be worse as far as we know. And we knew... Vanasek's injury is a little bit more serious than we thought because Zach Vukali got called up. He spent most of the year with the Hershey Bears in their abbreviated season in the American Hockey League. Zach Vukali, by the way, if you guys remember, World Junior gold medalist back in 2016? 2016, I believe, with Team Canada. No, 2015. That's right. because the Yeah, 2015 because the year later they lost to Finland in the quarterfinals. That was the Joe Hickett scheme. At least Joe Hickett scheme for me. For a lot of people, that was the Mitch Marner's Not Here tournament <laughs> for Team Canada. But I, I'm intrigued to know, I mean, the team played well in front. Washington did exactly what they needed to do. It led to the TJ Oshie taking a shot, Nick Dowd deflection, game winner in overtime. The way Washington was able to rally back around Craig Anderson. Like I said, this guy hadn't had played a whole lot. Ilya Samsonov is still on the COVID list, him and Kuznetsov. You know, you wonder what's, the, I mean, you're not going to play Samsonov now. He hasn't played, I believe, in what, two, three weeks? You've got to go with Anderson now until either Vanessa comes back or he pulls something because you got to play with the you got to play the goaltender you got to play your hot hand especially in these playoffs. So Craig Anderson, guys, as crazy as might seem, 365 days ago we may not have believed it, but he is the number one goaltender for the Washington Capitals. Now that was because remember he got signed after Henrik Lundqvist had to leave the team because of his heart condition. That's the only reason why Anderson was ever a part of the organization. So it's really interesting to see. What's going to happen going on forward? Will Boston adjust their game plan? Will Craig put another great effort in now? We'll have to see. That'll be on 730. That'll probably be the game we have on here in the studio here on the Cule Show. I think the big story coming out of this, just a few minutes, by the way, we'll be joined right after the break by Pat Micheletti, Minnesota Wild Analyst, Minnesota Hockey Extraordinaire with KFN 100.3 up there in Minnesota. The thing I think that scares me the most, guys, is that Evgeny Kuznetsov sounds like he's going to play today, but he was on the extras. By that, I mean he was going to be, he's going to be the 13th forward for the Washington Capitals. I heard a lot of people talking on Sports Hockey Radio today, Hockey Twitter, saying, is, are they done with Kuznetsov? Because remember, Kuznetsov was one of the four. Samsonov, Ovechkin, 
uh, Orlov and Kuznetsov were the four that had to get, they got busted with the COVID protocol violation. And now Kuznetsov's back on it, but obviously, or pardon me, he's off it now, but he was put back on it right before the end of the regular season. And it's clear to me that Washington Capitals are now looking at him as kind of a guy that's a little bit of a problem child. So will we see Kuznetsov a lot? Will he actually be in the lineup tonight? We'll have to wait and see. Like I said, 7.30 puck drop on that one. So we will, with that, I wonder, boy, I still got Washington in this series, but that's a little bit of drama I don't think the Caps need right now if they want if they want to be serious about another playoff run. Anthony Mantha, by the way, looked pretty good. His first playoff game ever, because remember, he'd been playing with the Detroit Red Wings since they've been bad. So good to see him get some postseason time. Obviously, a guy that I've watched pretty much since day one in the Detroit Red Wings organization. Remember, he came over from Val d'Or, and he was all, oh my goodness, this guy's a stud. He scored all these goals in the Quebec Major Junior League. He's got to be a stud, right? Todd Nelson pinned his butt to the fourth line so hard in Grand Rapids. It was hilarious. But he fought through it, got his way to the National Hockey League. We'll see how he does in game two tonight. We'll take a quick break, though, folks. When we come back, Pat Micheletti will join us to talk about the West Division. Why the West Division, Tyler? Why is it so important? Well, you know what? It's a fun division. A lot of great teams in it. And you know what, guys? Some great hockey. And the Minnesota Wild, they're up 1-0 on Vegas. They beat the Vegas Gold Knights again. We'll talk about that win and the series preview as a whole right after this here on The Kewl Show on 12 Hour Sports. And welcome back, everyone, to the Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. I'm your host, as always, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuhl. And guys, we have had, we talked a bit, a little bit about the, the Eastern playoffs, if you will, the East and the Central. Typically, those teams were going to be in the Eastern Conference anyways. But let's go a little out West, shall we? Let's go talk to someone that has an idea about the Honda West Division. I probably should say Honda West, just in case, you know, I ever get any copyright issues based on the fact that, you know, it's a, it is a sponsor. I didn't mention Mass Mutual East or Discover Central, but there you go. I said it now, but let's talk to a gentleman that covers the Minnesota Wild. We've had him on a couple of times, mainly talking about college hockey, but he helps him out doing radio work for KFAN 100.3 up there in Minnesota. And of course you can find them on iHeart, uh, iHeart Radio on your iHeart Radio app. Let's welcome back to the show for the third, yeah, for the third time ever. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Pat Micheletti. Pat, how are we doing today? I am doing great. It's uh, it's always good to be back on with you. Well, I appreciate that, Pat, and I'll have to hold you to that and put you on my resume for references. <laughs> but um, Not a problem. Anything you need from me, you know that. Well, uh, yeah, no, we'll we'll get to the, the cash uh, bonus later. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Pat, how are you doing up there today? Good, good. Uh, you know, a little bit better after a nail biter yesterday. Uh, you know, with the wild winning uh, in Vegas, um, you know, just a, a terrific hockey game. A lot of fun to watch. You and I were briefly talking before we went live here during the commercial break. And you mentioned something that I'm pretty sure is kind of well accepted across the board, but it's so true every single year. The first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is just wild bonkers and fun to watch. Well, you know, everyone thinks they have a chance to win it. And and this is, uh, you know, in this round. Uh, with every team, this will be the healthiest that each team will be in the first round. After that, you got guys dinged up. You're playing. You, you're playing games sometimes with broken bones, with you know whatever the case may be, bruises. Uh, uh, doesn't matter, right? Uh, but everyone's healthy now, 
and everyone is selling out and everyone is playing every shift like they're like it's their last shift and um you know it, it it's uh, tremendous hockey it, it reminds me that point you make about everyone having injuries there was in sports illustrated article this is back in 2015 right before the finals between the hawks and the bolts that year and sports illustrated had a picture of all the players on each team their headshots that they put together for the media for the Stanley Cup finals and it was just like cuts and black eyes and missing right. teeth like it was the most it was the epitome of the playoffs and it was so and it's so true because where the NFL is you know you have to win at max 4 games you play a max 4 weeks in a 5 week period to go to the Super Bowl and win it College football, yes, there is a playoff now, but you win one game. If you have a conference championship, you may have to win two. NBA, yes, it's around a month and a half, two months, but I'm not going to go into the, it's 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 tough, but it's not hockey. Hockey is two months <laughs> of absolute grinding. And for a lot of these teams, and especially in the West, Pat, with all the teams out there that had COVID problems, all these schedules had to get reconfigured and got really packed in. This has been a grind, not just for a two-month playoff run. How about for like the last three or four months? Well, think about this for a second. And you know, if if Minnesota and uh, you know would have finished, uh, would have won the division. Okay, uh, at, at the time they were a couple points out. You know, there was still a possibility. Okay, and had they have finished first, there would have been a potential that they would have played the St. Louis Blues nine games in a row, potentially, okay? They, they, they played um, the last two of the regular season, and then they would have had to have jumped right into a series with them. And, uh, and, they, had, and they had also played them uh, three times the week before. So can you imagine the bad blood between those two teams uh, if they would have met in the first round? Uh, yeah, it was it, – it was an absolute crazy schedule and, um, you know, uh, and now we're into the first round and, and you got two great matchups. Well, the crazy thing is, cause I remember St. Louis with the COVID issues, they had ended up playing Arizona. I think actually in a seven, they played each other seven times, yeah, seven in, a row. times in a row. And yep. I believe Arizona won that four out of seven. So they hey, there, yes. there's Arizona's one playoff uh, victory this year, if you yeah, will. Yeah, right. But it, it makes right. it it makes it so fun just how crazy the schedule has been and I you know next year it's it's gonna be back to normal you're not gonna have these teams playing each other eight times a year which for some of us old fashioned folks Pat you remember that you know back in the the Smite Division days you'd play teams yep. in your division eight or nine yep. times a year that's why you'd see all those brawls and that's why games took five hours long back in the day but a game that was seemingly gonna take five hours to be played was that game yesterday between Minnesota. And Vegas, it looked like, you know what, coming in, yeah, Vegas is the favorite. They just missed out on the President's Trophy. But, Pat, before we go into the, that game yesterday, Minnesota had played the Vegas Golden Knights better than almost anyone in the West this past season. Yeah, five wins. And uh, in the history, uh, I think they've played each other 14 times, 15-something, and, and Minnesota's won 12 of them. So, um, you know, right now, like it or not, and I thought, to me, Anyway, I thought yesterday's game was critical for Vegas just to get kind of the monkey off their back. Like, okay, we can put this on. Minnesota's got our number thing to rest. Um, but lo and behold, Minnesota beats them. And now, uh, Tyler, I, I really believe that Minnesota's in, uh, in the heads of Vegas. Well, like you mentioned, when you play a team that many times, I mean, that's where, and this is going to, it's going to be a little 
contradictory to your point of how Minnesota controlled in the regular season, but how the Ottawa Senators were back in the early 2000s. Those great teams with Spezza, yep. Alfredson, Chara was coming on. Uh, Lalimer was their goaltender at the time, Patrick Laleem, but they'd come to yep. the playoffs every year and they would meet Toronto with Shane Corson and Darcy Tucker and uh, and McCau- or Macaulay back there. And I'm like, boy, they just did not make it easy for them. And the- Toronto beat them every single time. I think they would have beaten them in 03 as well had they gotten through Roman Czechmanic and the Philadelphia Flyers. Right, remember right. that? Remember that name there, Pat? Hmm. I do. I do. Good yes. Goodness. But I think that's the biggest. That's why I was comfortable saying Minnesota in seven. It mainly just because when Minnesota ever pulls off an upset, it has to go seven games, at least from yeah. there since coming back in back in 01 and their first series against Colorado back in 03. But the the story of the game, while well, people look at it and they see, oh my gosh, 0-0 through 60, that was boring. How exciting could that have been? That, and maybe it's because I'm a goaltender, Pat, you can give me your take here. That game was so much fun to watch. So many chances on both ends, both goaltenders stealing the show. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I mean, listen, uh, Vegas could have won the game in the first period. If Cam Talbot's not in the net, uh, they might have. And, and you know, to me, for Minnesota to weather the storm, uh, you know, that, that old cliche, but they did. And, um, you know, Vegas was all over them in that first period, and Minnesota couldn't get going. And then, you know, finally in the second period, Minnesota, you know, was able to activate their D a little bit more. And uh, I thought that was a turning point of the game when Minnesota was able to establish a forecheck. And that was started by their defensemen, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Suter, um, jumping up in the play really, really helped Minnesota. And and if you look at the quality chances, I you know, I tell you, um, you know, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I, I bet Minnesota had the better of, um, of the scoring chances after that first period. It, it was the crazy thing was they did outshoot them or pardon me. Minnesota was outshooting for the long or Vegas was outshooting Minnesota, but Minnesota yep. had the betterment of the chances. I'm trying to look yep. here on and see if any, unfortunately she's probably gone to hockey reference. They have like the heavy duty analytics, but there was a reason why, and I was on a show last night. I was on World Hockey Report with uh, with Cody and Adam right here on 12 Hour Sports Network, and I was yep, talking to them. Yep. Oh, great guys! I was talking to them about the difference between Talbot and Flurry. Talbot is your. I here it was kind of a dumb reference, but I said he's your tomato plant. Nothing flashy about him. He gives you your produce, what you need, and that's all he does. Mark Andre Fleury was the rose that you give to the girl that you want to impress because he was all over the place. But boy, did it look magnificent. But to your point, Pat, that's because while Vegas was getting more shots, the Wild were getting the betterment of the chances, forcing Fleury to make some pretty spectacular saves. Yeah, well, you know, if you go back and look at at the stats of, of Minnesota and their games, I think they've been outshot like 20 out of the last. I don't know, 23 games, something like that. I mean, some, it, it may be even worse than that. Um, you know, but the thing is you got to look at the quality chances and you got to look what you're giving up. You know, if you're giving up 30, 35 shots a game, um, but, but the other team's only getting five, six chances. Well, you know, that's pretty darn good. Right. Um, so Minnesota really does a good job of, of keeping teams to the outside. They get the one shot. Minnesota clears it, um, and and that's kind of been their mo pretty much all year. And it uh, it it was it was like that for a majority of the game yesterday. 
the crazy thing is because everyone comes into whenever they see Minnesota Wild and granted Minnesota has not been on national television as much in years past. Obviously, they were on ESPN plus a few times. That's how they were able to watch them. But they've always had the moniker of, oh, gosh, here we go. Minnesota Wild is going to be a boring game. Oh, they're playing Florida. Right. This is even worse. But this right. year there is an offensive inflection and it's led by some kid named Kirill Kaprizov. You may have heard of him, Pat. He's a pretty good player. He may win this thing called the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. The thing was, I think people were nervous about going into that game yesterday was, okay, rookie in his first playoff game. Yes, he can score lots during the regular season, but the game gets tougher during the postseason, during the playoffs, and the rule book gets tossed out to the wayside. We saw that with the Florida games last night. Kaprizov was maybe one of the most physical forwards yesterday for the Wild, Pat. Yeah, well, let me tell you this. Kid's got no fear. Um, he doesn't even know it's a playoff game, to be quite honest. He just plays, and and he plays hard, and he doesn't care if it's Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, uh, Drew Doughty, Alex Petrangelo. Um, if you're in front of him, he's going to he's gonna try to beat you, and he's going to knock you down, and he won't care. Um, that's his mentality uh, that, that he carries. And, and, and I tell you what, you know, you know, you talk a little bit about Minnesota and, and the past, their past teams and past playoff teams and, you know, the slow it down defensive style. Um, you know, you know, first of all, um, Kaprizov has transformed this team, number one, with, with, with his ability. And then you add a guy like Fiala. And then what Billy Guerin did, he went out and, you know, he, he, uh, he you know, Miko Koivu retired. And I, I think that was, you know, pretty evident that was going to happen. Trades Eric Stahl, um, and he got he, he made the team younger, and he made them faster. And Dean Everson has kind of let some guys play a little bit more um, than in the past regime. And uh, you know, perfect example: uh, Jewel Eriksson Ek gets the game winner yesterday, had eight goals a year ago, and gets his twentieth of the year last night. Marcus Foligno, who you know is in that eight to ten range. Um, and, you know, he, you know, he's shown off at offensive flashes this year, scored some awfully big goals. And so you got a line like that, and you add Jordan Greedway to that line. You know, that's one of the most difficult lines to play against in the National Hockey League. They're all big, they're all, they all can skate, and they all have um, a little bit of offensive flair to them. So, um, you know, to your point, you know, they're, they are a different team, and, uh, and they're playing uh, differently than a year ago. And, you know, that's what, uh, that's what, you know, now do I think they're cup contenders? I, you know, I still think they're a year away, but Hey, you know what? You never know. But, um, you know, it was a, it was a good start last night. Go to that liming, going to that goal. I, I, the thing is you watch that playback. People have to remember. Yes. Yeah, so it was Joel Erickson X goal. It went off a stick. What have you? That was a turnover caused by Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway off of yep. Dare I say it, Alex Petrangelo. Yep. That's not an yeah. easy thing to do. But they get in there, they get hard on the forecheck, like you said. Greenway picks off the pass. Erickson goes in front, buries the game winner. That yeah, ju- well, that just shows how perfect that line is together. Well, yeah, and and, and quite frankly, um, you know, Jordan Greenway did not have a very good game. And you know what? That's what one play can do for you, right? Um, didn't do anything poorly, but but wasn't, you know, wasn't himself, in my opinion, last night. But when when the game was on the line and you had to make a play, that line made the play, and uh, you know, and it was a it was obviously a um, huge goal. Yeah, and 
of course, uh, it takes me back to Peter Klima back in the, what was it, the 90 final or the 90 finals in game one that I think it was like the four overtime game, second yep. shift of the entire overtime sequence, and he scores the game winning goal. That's all it takes. And all of a sudden, Peter Klima is looked at in the history books forever. But right. I want to go back to Joel Erickson Eck. Joel Erickson Eck, maybe it's because I do like, you know, I like watching the wild a little bit. I like, I like keeping tabs on them. Whenever I watch Joel Erickson Eck, it just, he, he's not flashy. He's not going to nope. drag around three or four defenders. He's going to work his tail off, though. And he's so, like, and we, whenever they come to Toronto or Toronto goes to Minnesota or, you know, you watch him on national television, you just know he is going to make the other team miserable. No matter what oh. he, he may not show up on the score sheet. He may be a minus one, but boy, he is going to get in the heads of the other team. And that's just been the kind of guy Eric Sinek has been. And it was kind of highlighted with the goal last night, but Pat, you've seen him. He's been doing this for a long time. Well, you know, you saw the emotion after the goal. That is it. I mean, that will be the most emotion you will ever see out of the guy. Um, um, You know, he's a very quiet kid, um, but he gets under the skin of every player in the National Hockey League because he does it in a subtle way. He will just stare at you and he'll say a few words and then he'll walk away. And it just irritates um you know, the, the other team's players and, uh, and he plays hard and you know what, um, you know, he's come a long way. You know, there's a lot of frustration about him being a number one pick and, and not, um, producing on the offensive side, but, uh, you know, and and that's a good lesson to be learned here is that you just don't walk into the national hockey league, um, and, you know, light it up. Very few guys do, I should say there are some, but um, it takes time. It's the best league in the world, and uh, it takes time to get acclimated and and uh, feel comfortable. And um, you know he's uh, he's hitting his stride. That's for sure. It's it's so funny because you see all these guys in this Minnesota Wild team that have been around for a few years. You know, of course, Dumba getting. I mean, Suter, of course, Parise, I know being out, but you know Carson Soucy, and of course Talbot getting the kind of the. The refresh, if you will. I said it yesterday. I'm like, man, is he looking like the 2017 Talbot that was almost going to win the Vesna Trophy? Yep. But one guy that I swear, Pat, I was, I think everyone in the hockey Twitter community, hockey world was cheering for this man because, boy, if Ryan Hartman had one more shot on goal, I think he was going to score. That guy, he, I remember when he came in, I watched him with Rockford when he got drafted. Out of right. out of uh, Sag Saginaw, I think he got drafted out of Saginaw. Yeah, I believe, yeah something like that. Yep. And I remember, I'm like, man, this kid's got potential. He's going to be great. And I watch him in the American League, and I'm like, this kid is a dud. It's is it, and he never really got a good chance. And he came to Minnesota, and he got some playing time. But I think this year in particular, he's really started to up his game and kind of show that potential on why he was drafted out of juniors. Yeah, well, he was the number thirteen overall pick uh, by the Blackhawks, and. And, you know, one thing about Ryan is if you tell him to do something, he will do it. And when he first signed with Minnesota, um, you know, they, they, they got him for depth reasons. Uh, they wanted him to play on the third, fourth line, be a checking guy, you know, and that, and, and, you know, in that role and Dean Everson takes over and, you know, Minnesota tried a bunch of different centers, didn't work, didn't, you know, couldn't get the right combinations. Well, they move him to center, and all of a sudden, um, he starts to show what he can do offensively. 
And, and, and I tell you what, um, he had a terrific year uh, in the middle and uh, has really embraced that role. And you know what? Uh, you know, you got to give him a lot of credit because he's a team guy first. Um, he'll stick up for anybody. And, uh, you know, and he's given them something that they really haven't had in a long time. And, um, you know, it's been really beneficial uh, for this organization. Ryan Hartman last night only was credited with five shots on goal. I think that's a stat that's incorrect. Maybe he had maybe, I think, at least 12 shot attempts maybe. By the yep. way, to, to your point about the the Wild playing a little bit more gritty, Aaron, talking about Kaprizov, they actually out-hit Vegas yesterday 71-57, to 57, 128 yeah. hits. That was game one, Pat. There's maybe 128s and maybe a three- or four-game stretch with maybe a couple of these other series we've been watching. Um, it, you know, they, they, well, that's, you know, Minnesota's game, you know, they, they like to get it deep. They like to play the body. Um, you know, they're, they're not a small team. Yes. They have some smaller guys, but, um, you know, they, they just play hard, you know, and, 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 you know, part of the game is hitting and, uh, you know, they, they did that yesterday. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be the big thing moving forward here for Minnesota. But the, the hard thing is with this younger core and with, and while there, are, I mean, like you said, there is guys like in the in the room, maybe not on the ice, but guys like Suter and Parise that have, you know, they've been around for a while. And of course, Zuccarello was part of those playoff runs with the Rangers yep. back in the day. So there is veteran status there. And of course, Benino had been around one. Yeah, so Ian Cole, 11 year vet. Ian um, Cole, yeah. You know, just a, a great addition to this uh, to this team. I mean, he has done wonders with Carson Soucy and. You know, right now, you know, you can you can put Cole and Susie out against any top line if you need to. And, uh, you know, and, and Ian Cole was great yesterday and, you know, made the big play. You know, game one had gotten to overtime if uh, Cole doesn't make a, you know, make a great defensive play. So, um, yeah, they're getting contributions from everybody. Um, they got a good mix. Um, they're supporting each other. They believe in each other. And uh, and so far, so good. And that's what that was going to to my point that I was carrying there was the fact that they have veterans there. And with these young kids of Caprizov and Erickson and Greenway, guys that maybe haven't had, I mean, they've been in the playoffs, but they haven't had those runs. They've been able, right. Minnesota's always oh, seemed to be right. that team that's just, hey, they're in the playoffs, but they're, they lose in the first round. They play well against Dallas, but they fall. There's, you know, some, unless they play Colorado, at least that was how history played itself out. Right. But right. that is going to help Minnesota you know, not take this win for granted and especially against a Vegas Golden Knights team while yes, they were able to get up on them one Oh, and they have all this long history of beating them during the regular season. But Vegas has shown that they have the vets themselves to win these games as well. They have a few Stanley cup champions on their squad. What's Minnesota going to really have to focus on. I don't want to say tweak, but really focus on in order to make sure that they don't let Vegas get, get any momentum in this series. Well, they're, they're, they're going with the mantra of don't be satisfied. And, uh, and, and Bill Guerin, the general manager, um, you know, who, who's got four Stanley Cups and, you know, Mike Madonna, who's part of the organization. Uh, when you have winners, um, you talk about winning and you don't accept losing. And, you know, Bill Guerin was, you know, was on my show the other day and, you know, he, he said, Hey, yeah, we had a great year. Um, but big deal, you know? Uh, we're not going to pat ourselves on the back because of that. Uh, if we lose in the first round, I'm going to be irritated by it. And, you know, I think that message was sent to the, uh, to the team too, you know, just don't, you know, don't, don't be happy to be here, do something. And, and um, you know, thus far they're buying into it and 
you know, I mean, who knows, right? Um, you need need a little luck. You need your goaltender to play well. You need timely goals, um, all of that stuff. And so, um, like I said, you know, I, I think it'll be a long series. I think it'll, you know, we're, we're, we're just going to see great hockey coming up. Yeah, but and I, I picked Minnesota in seven because, like I mentioned, Minnesota just seems if they're going to win a series in the first round and they're going to upset a team, it's got to be seven games. It's probably the best thing to have a guy like Billy Garen in that room, in that 100%. front office for Minnesota. Yep. And not just because he's a great hockey mind. He learned a lot from Jimmy Rutherford when he was there winning cups in Pittsburgh and part of their front office. But this is a guy that early on in his career played on a Jacques Lemaire, New Jersey Devils team that won fairly early in his career. So he was like, oh, winning the cups are easy. We make it to the conference finals one year, win the cup the next year. This is all great. He didn't win a cup again until he joined late in the season, the 0809 Pittsburgh Penguins. So he knows what it's like not to take things for granted. And that's why it's almost like a trickle down effect to say, hey, guys, we can't be satisfied because, hey, it took him a while to really, I mean, he was always a big score, a big, tough, hard power forward in the league for many years, but he couldn't ever get to that point of going to the promised land. I think that's what he's trying to tell his team. Well, listen, it's awfully hard to win a cup. You know, you need to have everything going. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I look no further than the Blues. Uh, you know, the Blues were out of the playoffs the, the year they won the cup. They were out by, I don't know, uh, 20 some odd points, make the playoffs, win the cup. Right. Um, and, and, you know, you, you just need to have everybody pulling the same way, feeling good, knowing your role, um, getting great goaltending, just everything I had mentioned before. And, and it's, uh, it's awfully hard and, you know, you don't, you, you know, before you know it, uh, your career is over and you don't you have nothing to show for it. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of the message that that's, uh, being sent in, uh, and so far, like I said, it's working. Yeah, it's gotten them to this point. A 1-0 series lead game two tomorrow night between yes. Minnesota and um, it's it's going to be a long series and it's going to be a physical series to say the least. That game is going to be 10 o'clock, though. That's going to be the t- change, not the a little late. Me, yeah, t- 10 little o'clock late. Eastern time, nine o'clock there for you folks out Past there. Past my bedtime. Oh man, I, I, I work in the mornings at the radio station and I'm like, Oh, here we go. Let's get ready to lose some sleep boys. Cause it's, cause you gotta, right. you gotta stay up for some of these games. Unfortunately did not stay up for that Calgary, uh, Vancouver game last night. Shame no, on me. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a, what a, no, I, great, I passed on that also. Great game. Unfortunately, it kind of really doesn't matter at this point. And I mean, no, our, our teams are no longer are in nowhere near a lottery spot. So it really doesn't matter for either of us, but Game two tomorrow night on NBC Sports Network. Also, make sure you catch it, though, on KFAN 100.3 with Pat Micheletti. He'll be there. But, Pat, let's quickly dive over to this other series in the West, the series that literally everyone is saying is going to be over by tomorrow night. Uh, They do play tonight, but people think St. Louis is going to give up. Colorado, the President's Trophy winners, which they did win on the final day, by the way, against St. Louis, a 19-point difference between these two teams. Pat should we get emotionally invested in this series or should we just understand that it's going to be over in a and only a few games? Well, how about this for you? I picked the blues to win. Gosh, almighty Pat, you're doing this again. We're going to, we did. did this. We did this with the NCAA tournament. It's going to yep. happen all over again. <laughs> I did. I, I, you know what? I think the, you know, now, now I picked the blues before David Perron got COVID and, you know, and, and, uh, uh, Marco Scandella, you know, may or may not play tonight. Um, but listen, the Blues were were poor early, 
and 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 they were poor early because Bennington was not playing well, because Tarasenko was out of the lineup, because Thomas was out of the lineup, uh, because Pareko was out of the lineup. They had guys going in and playing in different spots. Um, they weren't the same Blues, and and then they get in a losing streak, and then you know they you know they're they're just fumbling and bumbling. But now they got pretty much everybody back. And I tell you what, the last month they have been playing terrific hockey. Bennington is back. Uh, In fact, if they have to go to Husso, their backup goaltender, he shut out Minnesota. He was terrific. Um, They've beaten Colorado. Uh, Listen, I I, and and Ryan O'Reilly is one of the best leaders in the game today. And um, I think they have guys slotted where they need to be slotted. Um, you know, their decor. Yeah. Do they miss Petrangelo? No question about it. But, um, Tory Krug is, you know, a different type of player and you know what? He's played pretty well for him. So listen, I, I don't think this is a slam dunk for Colorado by any stretch. Um, you know what? Colorado gets one injury. They lose McKinnon. They lose McCarr. They lose Grubauer. They're a different team. Now, not to say that's going to happen, but, um, I um, I tell you what, the Blues know how to win. They've won cups, uh, and in fact, well, two years ago, uh, Colorado. There's a lot of pressure on them, uh, so we'll see. Um, you know, it, uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a series. You can call me next week and say you were nuts for saying that, or you can say, you know what, Micheletti, hmm, I got to listen to you. Uh, it was well, if you ever want to know what we mean about the picks, go back to our NCAA preview episode and realize how both of us were very wrong on our uh, were we who did I pick winning it? You you did you well, hold on. Did you I thought did you pick Duluth or North Dakota in the coming out of the um, regional? I think I had Duluth. I, I think I had Duluth. Yeah, because you it. said North Dakota was good, but North Duluth. I said, them. yep, I think I said North Dakota was the best team in the country and they probably were, you know, they probably yeah. were. But, um, but you know, that, that historic game that we saw uh, was terrific. Uh, I, you know what? Massachusetts surprised me. I, I, did not, uh, I did not think that they were going to be as good as they were, and they were, they were terrific. They deserved it. And that's why I think, because, I, I, Pat, you can correct me. I'm not sure how the Hobie Baker voting works, but if Dryden, does, if Dryden McKay plays well and gets to the national championship, does he win the Hobie Baker? Well, I don't know. You know what? That's a good, that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, he had my vote and, um, um, you know, I think they vote before the NCAA tournament, um, even begins. Mm. Um, but you know, it's, it's, um, it's very subjective and, um, uh, you know, I, I, listen, good for Cole Caulfield, but, uh, Dryden McKay certainly, uh, was, uh, was terrific all year long for Minnesota State. Hey, he's got one more year. He's coming back yep, for his senior coming year. Back. The new CCHA in Minnesota State. A couple new faces there will be for the Mavericks. But, boy, Dryden McKay will be there and knock on wood. Ryan Miller's record's in jeopardy. Um, by the way, you talk about how good St. Louis was going back to the, the playoffs here. The Blues yes. went 11-7-3 since April 1st, which was fourth best in the West. So pretty much par for the course there behind Minnesota, Colorado, and Vegas. The, and you mentioned a good point. Nathan McKinnon, who missed four of the last five games for the Avs due to injury. He is back in the lineup. He will be playing in game one tonight. But to your point about Philip Grubauer, 
Colorado saw that last year. Grubauer out, Pavel Franco is out, Michael Hutchinson. Now, granted, Hutchinson almost saved the day against Dallas, but you're right. If your starting goaltender goes down, you either have Jonas Johansson, who they did go with towards the end of the year, and I'm not sure about Devin Dubnik. I think he's with the team, but I don't know if you're going to put him in if for a Stanley Cup. Uh, I mean, we, I yeah, mean, he, he's had a tough year. And, you know, I mean, he was great in Minnesota for a few years and, um, you know, really helped this franchise get back in the playoffs. However, um, as of late, it's, it's been a struggle for him. Um, you know, and, and you know, listen, they have to go with one of those guys. Um, listen, they're fair, they're fair game. And, um, so, you know, they, they better knock on wood that, uh, Grubauer stays healthy. Cause I, I, I wrote the, uh, the pregame and the preview today for tonight's game for M live, one of our, uh, our local newspaper uh, establishments, online establishment here in Michigan. And I wrote the article and I said, yeah, Colorado's favored. They're probably, they could easily, if everyone stays healthy, run them up and down the ice. But Colorado fans know what it's like to lose in the first round when you're well, I mean, you have the shot, the advantage because well, Minnesota twice, 03 in 2014, last year against Dallas. I mean, since they won the cup in 01, Pat, Colorado, as good as they may be or not, they have found ways to lose series that they shouldn't, right? Well, listen, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I picked them to win the cup at the beginning of the year. And, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, you just, first of all, you look at their roster and you look at the, their core players. Their core players now have gone through this for three years. And I think it takes time and experience to learn how to win in the playoffs and, and then move on and win the cup. Now, I think they've gone through it enough now where they understand, they get it, and they, they, know, they, you know, they know what it takes. Now, doing it and staying healthy and getting breaks and blah, blah, blah is another story. But, um, you know, if, if, if the dominoes fall correctly, they should win. Uh, will they? You know, that that's why you got to play the games. And, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 going to be a great series. I wonder, and this is, once again, this may be the passing of the torch from one team to the next, but I always said Tampa Bay was the epitome of the 1990s Detroit Red Wings. Always great in the regular season. Eiserman, Fedorov, Lidstrom, Russian Fire. They were always winning these games in the regular season, and playoffs come around, and pff, there it goes. Tampa Bay? One of the best teams in the regular season. They're always winning games, setting records, 62 wins, going to the finals in 15, falling short, but they can't seem to get it done. Then they do it this year. Is yep. Colorado that third team? Do they Are they just maybe a few playoff disappointments away, this core at least, from getting to the promised land? Or, are you, or do you really think this is the year for this club? Well, I think they're ready to. Now, whether they do it or not, um, you know, it remains to be seen, right? Until they do it. You know, who, you know, who knows, uh, you know, the pressure is mounting, it's building, um, you know, Tampa had won a cup before and, in Colorado, it's been a long, long time. So, um, you know, one would think, uh, with what they have in personnel, um, and you would think that their leadership is where it should be now. Um, uh, you know, it, it, again, the national hockey league is so darn good. Uh, with so many good teams that um, it, it it's 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 awfully tough to win, but um, they should be the favorites to win it. Whether they do, we'll see. 
It, it's, I think I looked up. How's the, that for an answer? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's, well, it's true though. Cause I, I forgot since the president's trophy has been handed out since the 1980s, I believe the stat was seven or eight teams have actually went on to win the Stanley cup because they're, I mean, of course the Edmonton Oilers were the first few to actually win it all. And I had the list in front of me the other day when I was looking it up, but there have not been as many teams. One, two, three, pardon me, three teams Hmm. have won the Stanley Cup that won the President's Trophy. That's just how tough it is. Or no, one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, it's eight, eight teams. Sorry. Three had lost in the finals, Boston, Detroit, and the 2011 Canucks. So eight teams have won it since it was first handed out in 1986 when the Edmonton Oilers were busy running through the league that year. And it's it just shows how tough it is. You can be the best team in the National Hockey League for 82 games, or in this case, 56 games or last year shorter than that. But you may go into it and fall out. And that's just what makes this game so much better because you look at it, the other sports, yeah, occasionally you may see an upset in basketball or football, but it's a rarity that you don't see the top seed Golden State War back when they were with Steph Curry, they go all the way to the finals and win no no problem. Or in football, in the Patriots, the number one team in the AFC, they run all the way through, right. Brady wins another ring. Hockey, not as simple, Pat. <laughs> no, it really isn't. I mean, you know, you've got stars on every team, and the coaching in the league is so good, and, you know, everyone can skate, everyone's tough, everyone's big. Um, you know, you put in the right system, you get the momentum going, you start to feel it. And, you know, look look no further than two years ago when – when Columbus rolls in and, and sweeps um, Tampa in, the, in four games in the first in the first round, it can happen. And uh, so you know you, you just you need everything working, and you need everyone in, and you need everyone believing, and you got to stay healthy. And you know the the list goes on and on, and uh, all those stars have to align uh, for you to hoist that cup at the end. Seven teams that have won the President's Trophy, going to that point with Tampa two years ago, have lost in the first round. And Mm. the only team, and I'm trying to think of many teams, of course, Tampa won the next year, which, like I said, I I picked to happen because, hey, it's just going to be like the Detroit Red Wings back in 96. They win 62 games, lose in the playoffs, and they'll win it the next year. I'm not so who saying, are you pick? Who are you picking to win the cup? Oh, I was about to ask you that same question, Pat. I like to go round by round because I'm always wrong anyway. So I like to give myself the best chance. But if I were to pick based on, I mean, the North is it's this is the year, Pat, and I've discussed this with many other people. This is a year that you can't, you don't know. You can pick whoever. It's easier to pick the divisions because you see how teams play each other during the regular season. When we get to the final four, because it's not going to be East versus West, it's going to be the number one team coming out of the whatever division against the four and one, four, two, three. We don't know how it's going to be. We don't know which division's the best. You can try to do the eye test, but those are those teams, like the West versus the West, North versus the North. So just based on you know that alone, I'm picking Colorado, but I would not be surprised if Colorado were to get to the final four and just get lambasted by, say, Carolina. Or if somehow Boston makes a run and they get through, and I mean, though I picked Washington to win, but if Boston gets through and they beat up Colorado, that's a great possibility. How about the Islanders? How about my sleeper pick, the Islanders? Yeah, I was looking bad yesterday. Thanks, Tristan Jari, for that one. But then again, Barry Trotz's defensive defensive juggernaut, their stagnant defense against the high-powered offensive Colorado Avalanche. You talk about the irresistible force meeting the immovable object, that would be it, Pat. Who would win? I don't know. (laughs) 
Right. And, you know, what, what a storyline. Varlama, former, uh, former Avalanche goaltender, stealing the show against Colorado. You never know. Well, that's, of course, implying that Varlamov gets in. Because remember, Varlamov, Barry Trot said he wasn't ready yet, so he went with Sorokin, nope. and Sorokin well, played. You know, that's down the road. So that's I, true, I, I was about to say. I assume he would be ready. That's, yeah, that's true, because, of course, I was mentioning Marc-Andre Fleury earlier. Marc-Andre Fleury steals the net after Matt Murray gets hurt in the 17 playoffs. The only reason why Matt Murray saw the net is because Fleury gave up an egg during Ottawa's in the series against Ottawa. And then all of a sudden, hey, Matt Murray is the goaltender of the – yeah, well, look how that's well worked out for Pittsburgh. He's up in Ottawa hanging out there now. Looking at right. a I mean, correct. But it's it's going to be an interesting playoff. Pat, quickly, you know, you talk about the Islanders. Who else? I mean, what other series outside of the West are you really excited about? Obviously, there's people that are up in the North saying Toronto versus Montreal is going to be the greatest thing ever. But then you have people. I mean, like myself, after watching that game last night down in Sunrise, boy, that Battle of Florida is going to look like a true war. <laughs> My goodness. What well, you-, you know that 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 series really intrigues me a lot. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think Tampa, you know, Tampa showed uh, what they are last night and, uh, you know, and, and, and they get the win. I, you know, again, Florida is nice. Um, they've, you know, they're, they're very well coached. Um, they play extremely hard. They have some superstars, um, but I, they, they, they might be a year away from really getting to the level that they need to get at, but you know what? You never know. Um, you know, they, they, they played an awfully hard game. I think that's going to be continue to be a great series. Washington, um, I, I picked Boston to win that series only because of the goaltending situation. Vanacek gets hurt last night. I didn't think that he would be ready to really take the reins and, and, and carry Washington. Well, now he's hurt. Now you got Craig Anderson is in the net. Uh, in fact, he's starting again tonight. Um, so, you know, I, I think Boston, Boston will bounce back in that series, but you know what, they're, they're all great to watch. I mean, you know, we're seeing, we're, we're seeing great hockey. Every, every game has been great. And, uh, I expect to, uh, you know, that, that to continue. Now I'll leave you on this question. We may have you on the offseason, Pat, and I'll probably ask it to you again, but right now, obviously we're so focused on in the playoffs, what we got here now, kind of an off the wall question here. Of all the teams that did not make the playoffs, the 15 remaining, and I'm not going to let you say the Seattle Kraken because that's not fair because they may do the Vegas Golden Knights thing like they did back in 2018. So we're excluding Seattle out of this question. Of the 15 teams that didn't make the playoffs, what team you think is the best chance to be, I don't want to say a contender for the Cup, but a team that's going to really turn some heads next season? I've got two for you. I've got Ottawa and I've got the LA Kings. Hmm. They both have done a masterful job of acquiring um, draft picks and the guys that they've drafted um, are, are really, really good. And, you know, and, and, you know, Matt Murray won a cup. He's their goaltender. He's, he's young. He's 25. And um, you know, I, I think he's got some good years left in him. Uh, I just think those two teams are building and uh, they're going to be a force to reckon with in, in years to come. L.A. was a team that was right there on the cusp there for a little bit. They were hanging around in the fifth and fourth spot. Yep. And I was like, whoa, I'm getting a little nervous. To your point about Ottawa, Ottawa, despite me being a Leafs fan and kind of having this thing with the Battle of Ontario, they were fun to watch because they yep. just they were just having they realized they had no expectations. They had an awful first month of the year. But you're ready for this because remember how I mentioned how, how St. Louis from April onwards was the fourth best team in the West from yep. March 1st. 
to the end of the regular season, Ottawa went 16-13-4. That would have been good enough for fourth in the North. That's yeah. how bad of a start. I mean, that's, of course, Matt Murray couldn't make a save to save his life, and unfortunately, it really couldn't help out there with, I think, Anders Lindbergh was there. But I can tell you, Ottawa, they are going to be as... I don't know if they're going to get to the 2000s, like the 2003 Sens that won the Conf- or the President's Trophy. Not yet, but boy, they're not going to be a fun team to play for the next for years to come. No, they just got to get older. <laughs> you know, they got to get experience, but they've, they've got some guys who can play. And, uh, and they've got some more on the way and, uh, you know, it, you just, it, it, it takes time, um, takes good two, three years to really get your core built up, experienced and, uh, knowing how to play in this league and, and knowing how to win. Yeah. I must say if we, of course, then again, if we had that knowledge to give to him, uh, we'd probably, uh, be a little bit more and try and probably be like, on like the big time, like the, the XM radios you and I would be Pat, if we had that kind of knowledge, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> We've been talking here with Pat Micheletti. He is one of the Minnesota Wild analysts on KFAN 100.3. Check them out. If you can't get their radio station because you don't live in Minnesota, that's fine. It's called the iHeartRadio app, guys. You ever heard of it? It's on your phone. You click it, boom. You can listen to him and all of his great analysis throughout the playoffs. Hopefully, it's more than just one round, or else I either have another wrong pick to try to, to try to put, put down my sorrows with. But, Pat, thanks again for joining. It's always a pleasure talking hockey with you, whether it be college, NHL, whatever type of hockey. Thanks for joining again, man. My pleasure. Take care. All right, folks, we'll take a break. When we come back, more of The Cule Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. And welcome back to The Cule Show, everyone. Thank you once again to Pat Micheletti for jumping on the show with us once again. Always a fun guy to chat with. And another great guy. I mean, he's. I remember I just, he's one of those guys that I'm, he just, I just email, hey, Pat, want to come on the show Monday night? Sure. I don't know what we want to talk about. Yeah, no, we, we got this. We can do it off the cuff and just a fun guy to chat with hockey with, of course. I'm Tyler Keel, by the way, here on 12 Ounce Sports. In less than 15 minutes, a little over 10 minutes from now, we'll be talking with Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada's Kyle Bukowskis. Talk about that North Division. We talked about the Ottawa Senators next year. We'll talk about what's going on right now. Toronto, Montreal, and the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. going to be an interesting series coming out of there. But... We have a couple games coming up here. We already talked a little bit about Washington and Boston. That game's going to be on here in a little over 10 minutes' time as well. We'll have that one up on in the studio here for you to give you live reactions after we talk with Kyle, of course. Also, the the series that we pertain to this with the Islanders and Pittsburgh with Pat. Tristan Jari, last night, last night, yesterday afternoon, 12 o'clock, Boy, there! if there was ever a time to give the goaltender the Bronx cheer every time he made a save, Tristan Jari was that last night. Last night? Yesterday against the New York Islanders. Listen, Ilya Sorokin, by the way, only gives up three goals in the game. Kind of got, I don't want to say got thrown in. He probably expected that he was going to get the start. Let's be honest. But I didn't think that... You know, I thought maybe Varlamov's going to come back around. Maybe he'll get a chance. But apparently, Barry Trotz is like, you know what? He's not ready yet. Not going to push him in. Not going to force him. And then get injured again. Vitek Vanasek, like we mentioned, Exhibit 8. So Sorokin gets the start. And I remember I was a little worried right off the hop. I wasn't sure what to think. Is he going to play well? This is his first NHL start. And boy, did uh, did not look good with Tristan Jari. 
you got to make a save or two, right? You got to make a save. If you're going back to that game, by the way, Kaya Palmieri scoring two goals in the game, including the overtime game winner. You got to pull. I mean, you need a guy to really step up, and make some saves, but Jari, the first goal, long range wrister glove side. JG Pajot, long wrister glove side off the wing, top corner, a great shot by Pajot off the wing, far out. Should make that save. Brock Nelson. Always there's a screen in his own defenseman. No. From that far out, it shouldn't get, it went, it didn't go around him. It went through him. Under his arm, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. That is going to be the reason. I picked Pittsburgh. I picked Pittsburgh like a buffoon. Because I thought they are going to score more than the Islanders. Boy, was that a mistake that I'm going to probably have to eat some crow on. You got to be better. You just, he needs to be better. And the crazy part is, as far as we know, Casey Smith is not available for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that means whom we saw on the bench, Maxim Legassi. Remember him? He was one of the four goaltenders that picked up some wins for Vegas in their inaugural season back in 1718. And he was good, but he had a great team in front of him. A good, hardworking team. Gerard Gallant's system worked to a T. What does that mean now, though? for Pittsburgh moving into tomorrow night's game. That's where I'm a little worried because if Jari plays like that again, the Islanders are moving on, not because they were able to stop the Pittsburgh defense. That's because the Pittsburgh goaltender couldn't stop a beach ball if it was slowly rolling towards him on a plate of sludge. Like, that's how bad Jari was yesterday. You got to find a way to make a save. Maybe he can bounce back. Like I said, that was his first playoff start, second postseason start here in the National Hockey League, the Seneca playoffs. But you got to find a way to bounce back if you're Pittsburgh. Unless, you, I mean, I get it. I've got any Malkins out, but you still have Crosby, who had a wicked tip that led to the third goal for, or the second goal there for Pittsburgh. No, it was 3 2, right? No, 4 3. It was 4 3. I'm like, Palmieri scored twice. How could there be four goal or three goals and Palmieri scores twice? Pajot and Brock Nelson all score. Boy, if Pittsburgh can't find a way to make a save, it's similar to what we mentioned about, you know, I mentioned Matt Murray couldn't make a save for the first month for Ottawa. Ottawa couldn't get a save. All of a sudden, here they are. They're one of the best teams in the North Division after Matt Murray comes along and Anton Forsberg started to play some good minutes as well. They got some saves. Marcus Holberg played really well in a few games there for, for the Ottawa Senators. So that's my point. If you have goaltenders that can step up and play well, then fine, you're going to be good. But if Jari starts giving up, keeps giving up, giving these these squeakers, it's going to be a short series for the Pittsburgh Penguins, not for the Islanders. Quickly tabbing on over here because I'm not sure we'll be able to get to it before or before we uh, wrap up with Kalbakaskas because Carolina and Nashville play tonight at eight o'clock. I pick Carolina to win. They're a very deep team, very talented team. However, as we have learned. Well, the National Predators, very resilient team. One of the best teams in hockey down the stretch the last couple months of the season. UC Soros pretty much ended up looking like a Vesna candidate there towards the end. After we thought, oh boy, Soros is not good, they're in trouble. No, Soros played really well, looked solid, looked comfortable throughout the rest of the regular season. They nabbed the fourth spot. They're in the postseason. They're going up against Carolina Hurricanes team that is going to be starting Alex Nedeljkovic. Boy, let me tell you right now, when I saw that picture today, let me see if I can quick find it here for you folks. It was on it was on my Twitter. 
I'm gonna quick try to pull it up for you here. It wasn't on the it wasn't on the the Kilo Show Twitter. At least I didn't see that get posted. Let me see. Where art thou? Yes. So it was from Michael Smith. Michael Smith posted this. He's a senior editor for the Carolina Hurricanes, also co-host of the co-host of the Canes Cast. And he shows a picture of Alex Adelkovic coming off the ice first. Alex Adelkovic will start tonight against the Nashville Predators. And this is a very interesting tale. UC Soros having to work his way behind Pecorino for many years, finally gets the opportunity. Pecorino pretty much giving the number one job to the younger Soros. Now, Alex Adelkovic kind of got thrown in there out of necessity. James Reimer gets hurt. Peter Morazic gets hurt. Who are you going to play? Alex Adelkovic played a few games last year towards the end after remember the famous Zamboni game. He had to finish up after Morazic and Reimer while they were recovering. Now, yes, he didn't see any like a playoff time. But the thing is about Nedeljkovic, I've seen this kid play for years. And I'm not just saying that because, oh, Tyler, you study everything. No, he was playing for the Plymouth Whalers and the Flint Firebirds here in Michigan. So I knew Nedeljkovic very well. And I said to myself, this is a pretty good goaltending prospect, but he'll never make it. He's only six feet tall. And it took him a long time. He played one game in 16-17, didn't start. Started one game in 18-19, got a win, went home, went back to Charlotte. Had some good numbers in the American Hockey League. Plays four games last year, goes 1-2-1. One, and one. Okay, kind of got thrown into an odd spot. This year, though, 23 games, 23 starts, 15-5-3, a 9-3-2 save percentage, 1.9 on goals against average, three shutouts. And as crazy as this sounds, guys, this may not be an awful idea to put this kid in net. Rod Brandamore is not a dummy. Now, while I may be a dummy for saying that his contract is already signed, but it's sounding like that that deal's pretty well done with the Hurricanes. I can tell you right now, though, they have a solid goaltender. Now, the thing is, though, now, like I said, Ilya Sorokin made us look like fools yesterday saying, oh, my goodness, first time starting the playoffs, looked just fine. Nedeljkovic, with the team in front of him, the defensive core. Now, yes, they're a more offensive team. They're maybe not the hardest checking team. They like to play tough, but they're not going to completely blow you through the boards. But I can tell you right now, Carolina in front of him, he's got a good team in front of him. I think that really helps out Nedeljkovic in this game. This game won tonight. 8 o'clock puck drive, by the way. A little over half an hour time. However, if you're Nashville, you're feeling confident going to this series. All of a sudden, you look on the other end, you have a rookie goaltender who's never played in the playoffs. You like this spot. You like the spot you're in. Let's go for it. You have a team that's on the rise, and yes, like I mentioned, they have no players that are averaging close to a point a game. Roman Yossi being the closest. He led the team with 45 points. 45 points? Close to that. They are in a very... Very intriguing spot. My pick for Carolina is not as as convinced. I think I said Carolina in five. But if that fails, yikes. Uh, we'll probably talk to Peyton Turner at some point during these playoffs during this series because, of course, that's implying that Nashville hangs around. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, we were going to have Pete Weber on the show today. Unfortunately, they're playing tonight, so we really can't do this show on a game day. Uh, we're going to get Pete Weber on for the second time. So I'm interested to see what happens. If Nedeljkovic gives one up early, watch out. But if if he just plays the way he's played during the regular season into the playoffs, fine. They will be all hunky-dory. They will be, I mean, Carolina will be sitting pretty. So we'll keep tabs on that for sure. Getting set up here for Boston, Washington. That's why I kind of have my eyes over there on the screen because 
just a few minutes away from that game, game two. I think if, I mean, Washington, obviously, they have home ice advantage. So if they win this game, they'll be sitting pretty going back to Boston. But Boston wins and makes it a very interesting series. Heading back to the Toronto Dominion Garden in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Home of the Bruins, the Celtics, and the Red Sox. The the Patriots play up the road there in Foxborough. Foxborough? I don't know how they say it in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts? As Massachusetts? Is that the way to say it? So we'll take another break, folks. Another short break. When we come back, we'll be talking North Division playoffs with none other than Kyle Bukoskis from Hockey Night in Canada and Sports Den. On the Kula Show, here on 12 Out Sports. And welcome back to the Kuehl Show, everyone. I am your host once again, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. Lots of hockey going on right now. A couple of series starting tonight, a couple that have already started, and a couple that have to wait to start later on this week, the North Division, because apparently even though Calgary and the Vancouver Canucks, the shirt I'm wearing today, they are way out of the playoffs, but the NHL wants them to finish up first. So we're just going to have to... Unfortunately, I have to wait for them. But you know what? Let's talk about it. Let's get ready for a very intriguing couple of series up in the North Division, up in Canada, the Great White North. So with that, we got to talk to a guy that's kind of seen just about every team up there. He's a part of Sportsnet. He's a part of Hockey Night in Canada. He's been hit with silly string from Gritty. He's been sort of yelled at by Joe Thornton with a side-by-side camera, and he's even had an interview interrupted by the actor Will Arnett. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Kyle Bacoskis. Kyle, how are we doing today? Oh, that's quite an intro, my man. We're doing well. Um, far too kind. Great to be on with you. How are you? I am doing well. We just had a great interview with Pat McAlettin not too long ago. We have such great hockey action with the playoffs right now, and I mean, just to ask you, you watched a little bit of that Florida-Tampa game last night. I did a little bit of a breakdown earlier. I mean, that, you know, I, I said it right off the hop. When did the Battle of Florida become the Battle of Ontario from the early 2000s? Yeah, it's just, it was a long time coming, right? I'm sure hockey fans down there and, and even uh, hockey fans just around North America that have kind of targeted that uh, region of, of the, the sport and kind of go, man, wouldn't it be cool if the Panthers and Lightning squared off at some point? And, and we finally got our first taste of it. Man, did it ever not disappoint? You know, it's amazing that uh, it's been off to a, a thrilling start in the playoffs as a whole, as you mentioned, right? The first three games all going to overtime. And then the one yesterday that didn't go to overtime was by far the most entertaining of, of them all. And that's not to say that the other three weren't. Uh, it just speaks to what a, a high level it was. And, and I got to tell you, Tyler, like we're up here and, in Canada, where it still seems like we're miles and miles away of, from having any fans in, inside a building for a hockey game up here north of the border. I mean, it was it was like ecstasy for, for hockey fans in a way, just seeing the, the crowd down there in Florida. And even though it wasn't a, a full house, um, just the energy that it adds, and it all comes through the television so well and, and so much of the, the, the excitement that comes with playoff hockey that, that you miss with not having fans in the building. Uh, oh, man, it was just a, a really neat night to to sit on the, the couch and, and to, to be entertained by, you know, two very good teams that, that both believe they, they have every right to think they can go deep into the playoffs. One, of course, being the defending Stanley Cup champion. But, uh, man, it was it was so much fun to watch them go, go toe-to-toe. 
that was one of the other things I observed from the game last night. Who had BB&T Center in Sunrise, Florida, being the loudest building in the playoffs so far? But, you know, to your point, Kyle, that has been the strange part of the season in the North Division. While initially no one had fans starting off, Dallas, the teams in the South had fans early on. But as the season wore on down here in the States, fans were allowed in more and more. And obviously we're hitting our peak right now. But in Canada, there's been no budging, no fans allowed at all. How has that made it, you know, for you especially, you know, you're used to talking to guys in the locker room, in the hallway, getting to know guys personally. How has that made your job, you know, being the the in-rink host, the in-rink analyst there for Sportsnet and Hockey Night Canada, how has that made your job so much different compared to years past? Yeah, it's, it's all different, right? And, and we've all had to adjust in, in some ways since this uh, pandemic first hit over, over a year ago. So, uh, I mean, really, it's I, I've kind of gotten used to the new way of doing things a little bit here, right? Uh, you know, you hope that the Zoom calls aren't uh, forever and you, you miss the, the human interaction as, as we all do it in certain uh, areas and walks of, of life. But, you know, I got my first taste of it doing the, the bubble playoffs between you know Toronto and Edmonton last summer. And it was just kind of more of a continuation of it uh, here this year. So you just find, you know, different ways to, to figure out, you know, some information and, and maybe some little anecdotes and, and stories that are, are worth sharing, you know, throughout the, the broadcast every week. And, and that's been okay. It's just, it's been a, you know, different avenues and, and had to force to think outside the box uh, in terms of how you go about gathering that information. And so, you know, I think if the, if the playoffs get going here, as you mentioned, not until Wednesday for the, the North division and, and Thursday for Toronto, Montreal, I think it's, it's going to be, you know, a great opportunity to kind of reset everything here in the North division, because there was such hype going in. And you think about all Canadian matchups, every night here and for all the pure hockey fans up here in, in Canada it was like wow this is going to be great all these rivalries renewed and you know I, I think there would be very few people that that said that the division throughout the regular season met expectations and I'm guessing nobody would have said it exceeded expectations right just the way it played out obviously the no fans after a while it gets a little bit stale the fact you're playing the same team nine ten times the matchup isn't as, as sexy as it would be um, you know, under the the normal schedule format. And the fact of the matter is, really, we've known for what's felt like six weeks who the top four teams are going to be heading into the playoffs. So there's really no compelling stories down the stretch, more so just jockeying for a position for those that, that were going into the, the postseason. So all of that to say that I, I think it's a great opportunity to create some, some really neat memories, I think, for the the, the four teams that, that are moving on here in, in Canada. And, and, you know, you couldn't have drawn it up any better in terms of the matchups, right? The history between Toronto and Montreal, first playoff series in 79. And you think about, you know, those great teams of the Oilers in the 80s and, and some really good teams in Winnipeg that met in the playoffs uh, during that era. And, and just a, a Jets team back then that were up against, you know, Gretzky and Messier and Curry and all those guys. You go down the list, the Craig Simpsons, the Glenn Andersons of the world, um, and the Grant Fuhrers, they just, they, as good as they were, they weren't as good as Edmonton. So there was certainly some history between those two franchises and hopefully some some uh, some fires that reignite here once we get going later on this week. Yeah, that, that's that's everyone talks about the Battle of Alberta, the battle, you know, Calgary versus Edmonton. That's what everyone wanted in the playoffs. Well, you know, folks in Manitoba, they all remember the, the 80s a little bit differently. They remember going, having great teams. Yeah. Dale Howard, Chuck leading those teams. Ducky doing a great job being one of the best scorers. One of the, I mean, Unfortunately, he played in an era, and I say it, and there's a few players you can probably say this about Kyle back in the 80s, guys that were 
you know, behind Lemieux, behind Gretzky. And I mean, that and maybe had they played in a different era, they may have been superstars. Unfortunately, guys like Howard and them weren't quite looked after. But let's jump to the Toronto Montreal peg here. This is I mean, you know, I'm a Leafs fan myself, so I kind of have a little bit of a dog in the fight. That's why I'm not going to make a pick, because I, for some reason, can't pick the right team whenever it comes to Toronto. I pick them to lose, they lose. I pick them to win, they lose. I pick them not at all, and they still lose. That's just how it's been the last few years. But this is a very intriguing series because Montreal, by the way, Carey Price in net right now for Rocket de Laval in the American League in a condition sent him Brandon Gallagher, so they'll both be ready for Game 1 coming Thursday if, of course, Carey Price gets the net, which we probably expect, Kyle, because despite Jake Allen having the better numbers during the year, it's Carey Price's net there in Montreal. No question. Uh, it's. I think they're going to go as as far as as Carey takes them, which you know, un- unfortunately, is is been of a an unfair burden for for him. But that's been the reality, really, ever since you know after 2010, they they traded Jaroslav Halak, and and he became the de facto number one guy with the Canadians, and and not much has has changed there. I mean, I do believe they're a much better team. Uh, how the roster is constructed now compared to a year ago. But, um, you know, I liken this similar to when they went into the, the bubble last summer against Pittsburgh. Not many gave them much of a chance. Uh, Carey Price was otherworldly. They got some great, great performances from guys like Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi who were getting their first pl- taste of playoff action. And they ended up winning the series in, in four games and, and moved on and, and you know, gave everything that the Philadelphia Flyers could, could handle there. So I, I think you know, there are some similarities in that regard and that you know, they are viewed as, as an underdog heading into uh, this series against Toronto because there was you know, such a discrepancy between their records in the regular season because Toronto you know, beat them seven out of ten times. And you know, the fact of the matter is they're just on paper a better team, right? But when you add in that Carey Price effect, that can certainly throw – a wrench into a lot of predictions and, and a lot of prognostications once a, a series gets going here. So you hope that he at least gets through this uh, conditioning stint here tonight with Laval healthy and that he's feeling good about his game. And if both of those things are true, he will be the guy game one. And, and, you know, you assume for the duration of the, of the series. And if that happens to change where Jake Allen sees the net, um, it's probably because, you know, the, the Canadians are, are at the tail end of, of things and, and it's looking like uh, Toronto is going to end up winning the series anyway. So uh, he will go as, as, or the Canadians will go as, as far as he will take them. And not much has, has changed there really in the last 10, 12 years. 18 points separate the two be, between Montreal and Toronto in the stands at the end of the year. And for all of our, our Habs fans watching, don't panic. It's 2 nothing. Marley's over Rocket de Laval right now. Two goals against on nine shots on Carey Price. So nobody panic. Obviously, there was a lot of hoopla when Frederick Anderson didn't have the best start with the Marlies a couple weeks back. But, you know, that goes to that question, Kyle. There was, I mean, there's been a lot of people that have said Frederick Anderson, if he can come back healthy, he should be the guy because he has the experience. But how can you go against a guy that's had the season that Jack Campbell has had? The story in itself is amazing. I remember watching him in Saskatoon in 2010, completely Stonewall Team Canada, John Carlson scores the game winner in overtime on Martin Jones. U.S. wins the gold medal in the World Junior Championships. Jack Campbell's the tournament MVP. He's going to be the next next big thing in goaltending in the NHL. Didn't quite work out. Didn't quite work out to plan. But here he is now showing that potential he had so far so long ago. And you know what? I I mean, it's seeming like like Campbell's going to be the guy. I think that's what Sheldon Keith pertained to yesterday. But 
how can you not go with the hot hand in Jack Campbell, even if Freddie is 100%? I'm totally with you there, Tyler. And, and clearly the, the Leafs staff and Sheldon Keefe sees it the, the game, same way because, you know, he is going to be the guy that'll or start here game one. And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, you're right. It's not like this was just a, a two-week stint where he got hot kind of towards the end of the year and then you're looking at, well, you know, can he continue this on into the postseason? I understand he doesn't have any playoff experience at the NHL level, um, but the, the sample size, I think, is big enough over the course of the regular season, a record-setting start. I believe 17-3-2, he, he finished the year. Um, Frederick Anderson has only played one game since coming back from, from his injury, you know, that you have to give the ball with all those things considered to Jack Campbell. And, you know, Keith even um, uh, led to the fact that, you know, it, the, the toughest thing for him was to tell Fred that you're not starting game one. But on the other side of things, it was you know, a no-brainer to say that, that Jack would be their guy to, to start their series. And, you know, I think back, Tyler, to you know, 2018 playoffs and Washington goes in, you know, towards the end of that regular season. Philip Grubauer was putting up better numbers than, than Braden Holpe. He was the hot hand at the time. So he gets to start for the first two games against Columbus at home. They lose both of those games. I believe both went into overtime, but you lose both. Now you're down 0-2 going onto the road, and Barry Trotz decides, okay, now I go back to my guy, and a couple months later, they're Stanley Cup champions, right? Now it's not always going to work out that way, but I believe there, you know, there is enough precedence out there to say, I think you, you've got to go with the, the guy that has in many ways helped bring you there to first in the North division and in a great spot here going into the playoffs. And if Campbell ends up faltering, then, you know, you've got uh, a number one guy that, that certainly has uh, a lot of demons, playoff demons of his own to, to exercise, to, to go to, uh, if you get to that point. Yeah. Anderson. I mean, I'll be honest with you. When he first came over from Anaheim, I said, okay, he's the number one guy. But of course that first season, 16, 17, we didn't really know what much to expect with the Leafs. They have all these young kids. It's Austin Matthews, number one overall pick. You know, maybe they'll have some fun. They end up making the playoffs, losing to Washington, albeit in a, in a very entertaining six game series. But it, that seemed like 10 years ago, Kyle. Now we're looking at, you know, Mitch Marner being the 10 plus million dollar player. And he's, I mean, he would have probably had over a hundred points if this were an 82 game season. Unfortunately, Connor McDavid's the only guy that's going to have that distinction this year, because we'll get to McDavid here in just a moment. But you got to look at the fact that Austin Matthews, the, one of the best goal scorers, not just this season, but all of a sudden becoming one of the best goal scorers in the National Hockey League. I tried not to give too much limelight to the Leafs because I, I got criticized for doing that back in the day. But, I mean, this is a team that I watch and I just say to myself, man, this is, uh, I mean, just watching them, this looks like the best Leafs team in Toronto since 01, 02. I'm trying to think the last time they made it to the conference finals. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, and, and maybe even the best team since since '93, Tyler. And of course, I'm I'm not the the best guy to go to for historical context, but um, you know, it's no secret this is their first division win since '99-2000, uh, so 21 years there. Um, and you look just look down the lineup. I mean, you know, you go back to to Gay Stewart in the '40s, the last Leaf to lead the league in in goal scoring. Um, and now Austin Matthews was, was that guy and, and really was, was no question wire to wire the, the Rocket Richard winner this season, despite working through a wrist injury at a certain point uh, in the season. And, you know, they're, they're much better defensively, not only in who they have personnel-wise, but just the way they play in their own zone. And um, you mentioned it. It was like a long time ago since that six-game series against Washington in 2017. You think about, 
you know, not only the, the core players there, but, but some of the others that have been around for the last few years and the, the battle scars that, that they have gone through. And, and also, too, like for a guy like, you know, Kyle Dubas at the helm as, as general manager and, you know, figuring out over the years what works, what doesn't work in terms of roster construction when it comes to playoff time and, and what separates those from who advance and, and those that go home. And, you know, Sheldon Keith getting... It was a, a albeit abbreviated training camp this year with just how the format worked out, but at least a, a full training camp and a full season with with the team after taking over for Mike Babcock midway through the the previous year. And you just see with the way he was able to implement his systems and and how he wanted the team to play and how the players responded to it. All of that, I think, you, you put into the perspective that I don't think it is a, a reach to say that yeah, this is the the best team they've assembled in at least 20 years and, and maybe even a little bit longer than that. And certainly the best team they have had um, since their last playoff series win in 2004 to, to try to exercise that, that is historical stats and, and to move on and, and to go on a, a bit of a run here. Right. So, I mean, they're, they're going to have their hands full certainly against this Montreal team because you know, I, I believe they are favored. I am picking Toronto to, to win this series. Um, but, you know, you know that Montreal is a team that went through just a hellish schedule down the stretch, I believe, 25 games in 44 days. They dealt with injuries. They were just scratching and clawing to get through the end of the regular season. Now they've had some time to rest up and take a bit of a breather. They hope to get their bodies back, and, and I think it'll just be a, a much different team than they would have seen down the stretch. And so all of that will make it a, a, hopefully a very compelling series, but uh, I do believe Toronto's the better team going in, no question. Well, everyone always likes to talk about the 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 drought, of course, since 1967. Everyone's favorite year, Max Pacioretty's number, probably for a reason when he was in Montreal and now with Vegas, obviously out of the lineup right now for the Golden Knights. But I the I heard I saw the stat the other day. The last time the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Montreal Canadiens in a playoff game was 1967. So Kyle, that means all the Leafs have to do is win one game, and then they'll win four, and then they'll win the cup. Right? That's how it works, right in hockey. <laughs> Right, and and the other thing I heard too of all the times that Montreal and, and Toronto have met in the playoffs, whoever has won that series has gone on to win the Stanley Cup. So there's plenty of historical context riding on this opening round series, which I'm sure will just put everybody at ease in the Montreal and Toronto fan base. What I what I I was trying to think about the best way to explain this because obviously, unfortunately, we mentioned no fans allowed in the building, which is a the probably the truest bummer because we I mean back in you know, last year whenever whenever it was Toronto Montreal it didn't matter if it was at the Bell Center or now Scotiabank Arena there were fans from both fan bases in there and you think it's bad during the regular season how about when there's you know a playoff you know moving on in the playoffs involved. But I think this year it's going to be different, Kyle. It's not going to be fans yelling at each other and fighting each other in the crowd. No, no, no. It's going to be like an old war setting where you have two enemy lines. There's an enemy line down the middle, but then you have two armies on each bunker on each side, just on social media, throwing grenades at each other and seeing what lands. That's what it's going to be like this year, right? Yes, yeah. Digital warfare or whatever, something close to that. So. That's uh, that's that's where the animosity is going to be shared between fan bases because yeah, unfortunately we can't gather twenty thousand plus at either Scotiabank or or the Bell Center, so <laughs> that's where they're going to have to hash it out. Won't be able to get together at a bar anywhere. Um, it's all, all going to be done on social media, which of course, unfortunately, that that lends to a, a lot of uh, satellite debris uh, along the way. But uh, you know, hopefully, the the battles that that happen on on the ice are are most entertaining. Uh, 
as far as what we see between these two teams and, and fan bases over the next couple of weeks. Let's just put the fans, like like six fans on each side in a Zoom chat together and just broadcast that. That'll be great. Put it on Twitch. Make it fun and interesting, right? I'm sure it'll be totally clean and safe for there children, right? Yeah. Let's let's jump to the other. Yeah, the broadcast playing in the background there. That'll be a great little uh, alternate viewing experience. Yeah, put put that on. Uh, on that'll be on Sportsnet 360, right? That's where it'll be. That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that or the shopping channel. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it'll, no, it'll go on the score. That's where it'll go. <laughs> yeah, well, that is Sportsnet 360. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, but the the other series, you know, everyone looks at Toronto Montreal because it is the historical rivalry back dating to the the beginning of the National Hockey League back in 1917, back when they were the Toronto Blue Shirts, but the Canadians were still a team back then. The the Edmonton Oilers and Winnipeg Jets. People are starting to look at this almost as lopsided, if not the same as. Toronto, Montreal, Kyle, because of the fact that how Winnipeg ended their regular season. They were not the hottest team in hockey by a long shot. They fell from, they were possibly going to be the team in second, getting home ice advantage in this series, but they were just not able to put it together. They end up falling to third, and, you know, Mark Scheifele was being benched, and Blake Wheeler wasn't playing the best, and Connor Hellebuck seemed to be thrown to the Wolves on some nights. Is this series tighter than the Toronto Montreal one? Or do you think that it's going to be, you know, maybe with Edmonton, the way Connor McDavid came in so hot to these playoffs with the 105 points during the regular season that Edmonton may have their way similar as they did back in the eighties. Yeah, it's, it's, this is a, a tough one for me, Tyler, as is with, with all predictions, because until the, the bloody games are played, you really don't know for, for sure. But um, I mean, you mentioned how well, Edmonton has been running the last couple of months and uh, Winnipeg taking a, a dip there towards the end of the regular season, you know, losing seven in a row and um, the other factors that, that you brought up already. And, you know, the fact is Edmonton beat Winnipeg nine or seven of nine meetings. McDavid had 22 points in those nine meetings. I mean, he had a lot of points against everyone else too, but um, I mean, it just, it was no contest against the, the Jets that year. Now does, does it matter going into the series here, I mean, I, I, I guess we'll see, right? Like, will Winnipeg have some kind of answer for McDavid and, and Drysdale? And what's going to be really fascinating here is, is how Dave Tibbet deploys the two of them, right? I mean, at practice day, they had him centering separate lines, um, but we all know he isn't afraid to, to go back to loading them up on, on the same line together at, at certain points. So, um, you know, how does Paul Maurice and, and his staff game plan uh, against that? You know, the real issue for me that it's, um, giving me pause for thought that, to think that, you know, Winnipeg has, has a real chance to, to maybe pull off a bit of an upset here is, you know, the fact that, you know, Andrew Kopp and, and Nick Ehlers are still practicing in non-contact sweaters. Now, I mean, they haven't been ruled out for game one, and maybe they do get back in time, and, and certainly for their sake, you, you hope that, that they do. But uh, I believe when healthy, they are one of the more deepest forward groups, at least in, in the North Division, and I don't know if there's many other teams around the league that, that you would put ahead of them. You know, they don't have the star power of a McDavid or a Matthews uh, or a, a Pasternak, but, you know, they, they've got just real solid depth that they have the ability to roll, and, and Paul Maurice does exactly that. And when you're losing some guys there, Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't practice today either. Um, you know, that's that's a factory. You lose one of your real strengths there. And um, so when... when you factor that in, and, and I mean, Connor Hellebuck was once again you know, the busiest goaltender in the NHL, but but to me, he's similar to, to Carey Price in, in the Toronto-Montreal series. He's going to be the X factor, right? Like, they have to win the goaltending matchup between him and, and we assume, Mike Smith for 
for Edmonton, right? If if they can do that, then then you just never know, right? Playoffs are a funny thing. You know, maybe the superstars go quiet a bit offensively. Things don't get rolling for them, and, and the m- momentum swings the, the other way. But it just seems a, a lot of what-ifs right now for a Winnipeg team that, that didn't finish the year great, that, you know, at certain points obviously had a lot of promise. But this Edmonton team, you know, they've, they've got plenty of motivation here too, right? And we all remember how things ended for them rather quickly in the bubble last summer. Um, you know, you have to go back to 2017, the one and only playoff series they have won during the McDavid and Dreisaitl era. And, you know, like Toronto, I think they have every right to believe that, that they're a team that, that should be pushing deep into the playoffs, certainly the way it's constructed here this year. So all of that is the makings for a very, very steep uphill climb for, for Winnipeg. But, um, you know, the fact that it's, it's not set in stone until after the series is done, I think, is what helps make all of this so exciting. But uh, to me, I, just, I really believe going into game one, things are, are all pointing towards uh, Edmonton, or at least most things anyway. You know, I, I had Jack Michaels on the uh, ed, the radio slash TV play-by-play guy for the Edmonton Oilers, and we were talking about, oh, boy, it's going to be an easy cakewalk. Three games for the Oilers against the Hawks. There's no chance. And then, well, <laughs> didn't quite go to plan, at least not on paper, for the Edmonton Oilers. And do, do you wonder, just because they haven't had this much playoff experience, while Matthews and Marner, while they have not won a series, at least they've been to the playoffs each of the years that they've been in the league. McDavid, this is only his third go-around. Technically, since it was only the play in the qualifying round last year, this is his only his second real Stanley Cup playoff appearance. Do you think that kind of sits in the back of their minds? Like, guys, we haven't really done a whole lot. And this is kind of, I don't want to say you know, unforeseen territory, but they're not used to being in this situation. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And I mean, mind you, you know, I will say when they uh, went in 2017, they did have home ice against, uh, against San Jose to, to start there too. But um, you know, you're, you're right. I understand what you're, you're getting at there, but I just look at the way they perform throughout the regular season. And I mean, it's one thing to look at the 105 points and, um, certainly we don't expect that point per game average to continue into the playoffs when everything tights up, tightens up the way it does. But I just think, you know, between well, both McDavid and Dreisaitl, how much better defensively they, they are and how they took the, you know, the onus upon themselves to realize that, you know, we, the team often goes how, how we go and, and it's up to us to kind of set the tone in that regard and just see the, the trickle down effect from, from there and how everybody else plays when, when you see how, committed they are on on both sides of the puck and i just think you know just the the signs of, of maturity and and growth for for that team there after years of just some some head scratching results on nights when you looked at some of the talent that they had at, at their disposal uh, i believe this this team has, has taken some some real strides this year so so long as as mike smith can can keep things close as i say in the goaltending matchup between him and and connor hellebuck I, I believe that they they're a team that you know has every right to to be favored and um, should feel pretty good about uh, you know moving on from from this series against Winnipeg. Yeah, Smith was one of the guys that I was not too sure about going this year. Him and Koskinen, I'm like, this is why Edmonton's maybe not even going to make the playoffs. They may get 100-some-odd points from McDavid, but they may not get the goaltending. But Mike Smith has certainly taken the reins and showing that he's aging like, like I would say, I would say fine wine, but Kyle, you know Mike Smith. He's kind of a, more of a whiskey kind of guy. He kind of has to age with bourbon <laughs> yeah. or something like that. yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Very well said. And, and and good on him too, right? Because you know, you, you, we reference how how badly things went for them in, in the bubble last summer, and think about it. You know, the way things went for him and um, the deciding game, and and not getting the start. And 
Um, you know, and then he was a free agent after that. And, and, you know, he had every opportunity to say like, yeah, you know what, let's close our chapter here in Edmonton. It's time to move on somewhere else. But um, that wasn't the case. You know, we know there's a, a long history there between him and, and Dave Tippett. And, um, you know, Tippett, I think, is a, is a guy who was a, a great mentor for Smith earlier in his career in, in Dallas and in Arizona. There's a great deal of respect between the two. And, you know, had to get healthy there after an injury, right, uh, I believe, in, in training camp and missed the first few weeks of, of the season. But, um, you know, he's played really well. And as I say, you know, de- defying the, the reality of, of father time for just a, a little bit longer here. And, yeah, nothing to, to suggest that things are about to, to fall off for him uh, come playoff time. We know he is a competitor and, um, you know, a great guy to have in net right now as far as the Oilers are concerned. Oh yeah, Father Time. Doesn't he play for the Leafs? Isn't he 97 for the Leafs, Joe Thornton? I mean, geez, you talk about a guy. He's, <laughs> right. if, there's, if there's any guy in the in the league that represents Father Time, not just because he's got the long beard, which still, I, I'll i say this, Kyle, if I could ever grow a beard like Joe Thornton, I'd be happy, but that'll never happen. I'd say in my blonde hair and be the fact that it's just, it's not in the jeans. Joe Thornton's beard, because then he shave it before the season, right? Well, he had it. It wasn't completely shaved off, I don't believe, but at least when, when training camp rolled around the start of the regular season, there was something there, but it's just continued to grow throughout the year, and, and now it's in peak playoff form here once things get rolling. So, something that Brent Burns must have given him, because uh, when he was in Boston, he never had a long beard. Then again, Boston didn't make that many deep playoff runs when he was there, but I digress. Kyle, you know, last question here before we let you go. We talked with Pat Micheletti. We asked for his cup prediction. Him and I both agree, call, I mean, as much as I want to say the Leafs, I and maybe call it scarred, call it pessimistic, call it just understanding that you never know what this Leafs team, and that's just case how it's been for the last 54 years. But who is your team that you think is going to be there in the end hoisting Lord Stanley? <laughs> yeah, so I, I wish I could give you much of a, a different answer here, but I think Colorado as well. Um, I mean, it's funny. I At the start of the year when, you know, bunch of us at Sportsnet there are, are forced to hand in our predictions for the year. I actually put down St. Louis. I know I was going a little bit off the board in, in picking it, but, um, you know, I decided that, you know, hey, you got to take a bit of risk every once in a while. But uh, after the way the regular season played out, I've, I've shifted now, and um, I've got a feeling, you know, that, that this could be Colorado's time. And, um, I mean, it's the, the, the regular season and the greatness they showed is, is one thing, but um, they could have been playing in the, the cup final you know, last summer in, in Edmonton, if, if their goaltending had, had stayed healthy, right? So um, certainly you're, they're hoping that it's a much better, much different case for scenario for them this time around. But, um, you know, for a lot of those guys that have been around a long time, I, I feel that they're, they're ready to win now. And um, I'll say, you know, Colorado-Carolina Cup Final um, will be my, my prediction. Who knows how it'll all look when we get to the Final Four and how the regular season seeding shake out, but... Um, that's my, my prediction and, and the Stanley Cup going back to Colorado for the first time in 20 years. That would be something now. And that's, and that's a good point time because I, how I mentioned that I'm like, I don't know if I want ever want to pick the Leafs. I have friends of mine that are Leaf fans as well up in Ontario and they're also picking Colorado. Do you think it's cause Colorado is that good? Or do you think people are just so scared to pick the Leafs anymore? <laughs> <laughs> for Leafs fans, it's probably a bit of both, right? <laughs> Because they're going like, oh God, I have no no way I can I can be seen picking my my own team here. Maybe they think that's a, a good omen of just um, you know just going somewhere completely uh, down a different path and and then be pleasantly surprised if it is Toronto there in, in the end. And uh, hey, I mean they they could absolutely end up being there, right? I don't think we would be completely shocked if this Toronto team found its way into a, a Stanley Cup final, but uh, it's just going to be 
you know, once they get to that final four, that's where it's really going to get fascinating for me, right? Because you've, everyone's played the same six or seven teams all season long, and now you're playing someone completely different for a best of seven and how all that's going to shake out will just be so fascinating to watch. So, um, I mean, it'll be all bets off at, at that point, but, um, for me, I'm, I'm thinking you know, Colorado could be the, the one here this year. Yeah, it's it's so it, they're such a good team. Like I said, if the goaltending stays healthy and and everyone thinks that the North Division doesn't play defense just because Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, scored 105 points. There must be no defense, Kyle, in the North Division. <laughs> we have been chatting with Kyle Bacoskis of Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Make sure you give him a good follow there on the Twitter at SN Kyle Bacoskis. You can see how his name is spelled right there on the video here on the Kula Show on 12 on Sports. Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time. Have a fun call and you know, being a part of the broadcast there for the playoffs. It's always fun to see what you guys are doing up there in Hockey Night in Canada. I can't tell you how I'm watching the streams, but I can tell you guys do an amazing job whenever I watch CBC and Sportsnet. All right, man. Thanks for having me on, and, and we appreciate you, you tuning in. So enjoy the playoffs, and yeah, I'm looking forward to what should be a, a few months of just the most fun time of the year for hockey fans. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Kyle, and you have a good rest of your night, man. Thanks. You too, man. That was Kyle Bacoskis from Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet. Fun guy to talk to. And, you know, it, it's so it's interesting to talk to, you know, you talk to the broadcasters, you talk to the analysts, the in-arena in hosts, the in-game hosts, you know, you see on not just Hockey Night in Canada, but also the fact that, you know, when you watch NBC feeds and whenever you see guys that are down rink side and all that, you always wonder, I'm like, man, well, you know, are they – because the ones that do the storytelling, because for the longest time, Elliot Friedman was that guy for me. Elliot Friedman was always the guy that just told the stories and occasionally reported on stuff, but he was never like the, the analyst type, which we have seen is not the case. Kyle, or Elliot Friedman's an amazing guy. Kyle Bacoskis as well. And maybe we'll see him on the desk one of these times over at headlines for hockey night in Canada on Saturday night. Obviously you're going to see headlines just about every single night because well, the playoffs, it's a wonderful thing. Right now, it has been a barn burn. I've done a good job to keep to stay calm over there because uh, game two between Boston and Washington, it's been uh, entertaining. Zidane Char is running his old teammates around. It's 2-1 Boston right now with about 7.47 to go in the first period. A little over about 25 minutes left here on the QL show here on this Monday edition. Like we said, we'll be back Thursday with our extended playoff coverage. Only an hour long, though, on Thursday. Just a quick shift for the cool show where we pretty much just get you ready for the games at night. We don't do any live reactions because, well, uh, I don't know if I could do, I, I could do five hours a week. Just there are some people that live in the same place that I do that don't want to. So that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, two, one right now. And you know what? Let's, uh, let's just quick check the score of that other game. I'm pretty sure they haven't even started yet. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, the national predators and Carolina hurricanes, that game right now on CNBC in the States sports net East in Canada. They have not even started yet, so probably won't turn that game on. We'll stick with this one here, at least through the first period. And it's been physical. It's been very entertaining to watch. Uh, Tom Wilson threw Curtis Lazar into his own bench. Not through, pardon me. He hit him cleanly. I know, Tom Wilson hit that's clean, guys. That's crazy. But right now, Craig Anderson's playing all right. He's given up the one goal, and it was kind of a fluky one. He kind of, well, not fluky. He got caught way out of position. He, he went full stand-up goaltender, found himself in the corner like Tim Thomas, makes a nice save, as we just see here. You know, this, uh, oh, we got penalties. Oh, my gosh, penalties in a skirmish. Now, I will say this. For those that did watch the Florida-Tampa game last night, there were a lot of matching minors, which typically doesn't happen in the playoffs. 
you know, you see it all the time during the regular season, but you never see two guys go to the box during the playoffs and see four-side hockey. We saw that a lot last night down in Sunrise, Florida. Like we said, that game tomorrow night. Here is the full list for games tomorrow night. Flames and Canucks tomorrow, 4 o'clock, in case you're all curious to watch that. It's on ESPN Plus if you have it. Islanders and Penguins at game 2, 7.30. 8 o'clock will be the Lightning and Panthers in game 2. 10 o'clock, as we mentioned, with good old Pat McAletty. Vegas and Minnesota. Minnesota up one nothing in that series. And the reason why they're up one nothing is because they won game one. one nothing. Thank you, of course, to Kyle Bacoskis from Sports and Hockey Night in Canada. And, of course, thank you to Pat McLeddy for joining us on the show as well. Not sure who we're going to get on next week. We have one guest for sure next week. Not going to say yet, though, because we got to make sure we get the timing right. We almost had him on for last Monday's show, or last uh, last Thursday's show, excuse me. Um, we've had, it's another guy that we've had on the show before, not going to, not going to spook anyone, not going to give up anything yet, but we'll definitely bring back some familiar faces for the playoffs because obviously we pretty much, I think we have folks, if I'm not mistaken, from every single team in these playoffs we had on the show, uh, from all sorts of walks of life, from Leafs to, to, um, Vegas to Washington to Boston. Actually, I don't know if we had one from Washington. We, of course we had Shannon Walsh, the first ever Boston Fan, I guess you fan Boston favoritism on our program. Now that's mainly because I have a thing against Boston and New England clam chowder, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, Tom Brady left Boston. Tom Brady's left New England, so it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I don't have to not have to cheer for anything up there because I'll be honest. Chicago deep dish pizza for life. So we'll keep getting awesome people on here and another skirmish. Ooh, Brandon Dillon with a takedown on Brad Marchand. Craig Anderson's looking at this like, man, oh man. Because I'm trying to think, did Craig ever have to play Washington in the playoffs? I don't think so. Man, I, I I could be wrong on that one. Like, I was wrong. Well, I was half wrong yesterday about the Tristan Jari making his first playoff start. It was his first playoff start in the Stanley Cup playoffs. First or second postseason start. But obviously a good game we got going, going on here. Between, but now I'm like, do we, if we have to have another overtime game. The thing is, is I'm, what I'm fearing for right now folks is as soon as we get to a double or a triple overtime game the folks that are going to come barreling out saying oh my gosh these games are taking too long let's get some four on four some three on three out here let's get these games over with no that's not the point of the playoffs the point of playoffs i mean here's how i describe it kids for all of you wrestling fans out there are you ever going to see a 45-minute, hour-long classic on a Monday Night Raw or a, I guess if you're AEW, AEW Dynamite? Probably not. Because why? Well, there's lots to cover in television. You got to build up. That's for the pay-per-views, the big events, those matches that go an hour long, both guys bleeding everywhere, those classic matches, the hour-long duels, the Iron Man matches. Those are saved for the pay-per-views, for the big shows. You'll never see them go usually for the regular show. That's why I say this. You'll never see the three, four overtime games in the regular season. Why? Well, it's just the regular season. These shows happen. They happen all the time. Just do three on three and the, the shootout to the skills competition and get it out of the way. In the playoffs, though, for the big events, let them go four overtimes. Let them go five overtimes. You want to see a war of attrition? Let's put it out there on national television. Let's go till 3 o'clock in the morning. Let's lead this. NBC on Sunday night. This game goes all the way to 4 o'clock in the morning. Coming up next, the Today Show. (laughs) 
because that's how it is. Obviously, for this playoffs next year, the I'm not quite sure how that's going to work or what show is going to lead in. But of course, we should probably announce the big news that came out of ESPN today. ESPN becoming the first major sports network to hire a full-time female play-by-play broadcaster. Now that's, a, I mean, for those that do not know, Leah Hextall, Canadian broadcaster, she was, let me just make sure, first, Hextall play-by-play voice, so first woman to hold that role as part of a national TV broadcast as one of their, one of the big ones on ESPN for NHL broadcasts. So, I think it's just for the NHL because for those that know, I, oh my gosh, I keep forgetting the name of the, uh, who is the girl? There's a girl that's been called, a woman that's called college football for ESPN. Typically works like the 12 o'clock or the 3.30 games on ESPN too, but has been doing it for years. And I always forget her name. Let's see, I got time here. Kyle, um, let's see. But I, because I'm just saying like, so there's, there are other females that have brought, done play-by-play for long periods of time. Uh, which oh, is called college football for ESPN. Don't give me any sideline reporters either. Uh, is that what it is? I think so. Yes, Beth Mount or uh, Beth Mowens is the one I'm thinking of. Mowens, Mowens, Mowens. Beth Mowens. She's the one that I was thinking of who's been calling games for a very long time. So she's not the first, but she she became the second to call nationally televised college football games for ESPN. But Leah Hextall becomes the first woman in, let's be honest, in the NHL to do it because Sportsnet hasn't done it yet. I mean, they've, they've, they do it for the, they did it for the CWHL games. Uh, there were all women broadcast for the NBC Sports Network for the Isabel Cup Finals, the semifinals and finals, which was awesome to see as well. And Leah Hexall, of course, speaking of war of attrition, long overtime games, she was the one that called that five overtime game between North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth in this past year's NCAA tournament for ESPN. You talk about a tryout or a, an audition, if you will. That's the one right there. Hey, guys, I can call a five overtime hockey game. I can do this. Now she's falling out of her chair. She had to kick off her shoes. That's how, that's how long that game went. I'm pretty sure you could put her on prime time. So congratulations to her. Excited to hear her next year with ESPN getting the big deal with NHL. I'm really excited because there's going to be no excuse not to have a hockey game, not to have at least one streaming service or one channel, not have every hockey game on next season with the deal with Turner Sports and HBO Max. It's going to be awesome. And now that Hulu has the deal with ESPN Plus, you can literally just turn on your Hulu app. And if you have ESPN Plus, you go on the channels, you hit ESPN Plus, boom, you got hockey right there. Now, obviously, ESPN Plus is only doing the Vancouver-Calgary games for the rest of the season because that's the only regular season games they have left. But yeah, obviously, you have Hulu Live TV, like I do. You can watch NBC Sports Network and watch them with their new, improved scoreboard. So about 15 minutes left here in the Kewl Show. I'll take it home right here, folks. No more breaks needed. You know, I... I uh, Do I want st- to... Now, this is going to sound really cheesy, guys. And you're, you're going to give it to me in the comments. I know. Relax. Calm down. Am I going to stay up for that Colorado-St. Louis game tonight? I mean, I'm going to certainly watch the probably the game back in the morning, but I do have to work tomorrow. And <laughs> I also have to, do, I have to write and stuff like that. I got, I got a job to worry about tomorrow morning. Do I want to stay up for that game? And that's why it's tough tomorrow 
for Minnesota Vegas. Pat Micheletti, of course, has to stay up. He's doing the, he's doing the analysis on the radio there for KFAN 100.3 up there in Minnesota. It's tough. It's not it's not an easy gig, and I and that's why that's why heck I was able to call the of course time zone differences. That's the only reason why I was able to call a couple games during the double IHF under 18 is because Bruce Levine, who I worked a lot of the games with during the tournament, he had to leave early because the Dallas stars, because we played at four o'clock central time, five o'clock Eastern time in Texas and the Tampa and the Dallas stars were playing in Tampa. So he had to be back for the first, at least by the first intermission of a six o'clock local time, start seven o'clock Eastern time, start between Dallas and Tampa. So we, I, that's the only reason why I was able to do it. So time zone differences, sometimes they benefit people. Sometimes, oh my goodness gracious me, what a weak goal that was. Time difference can make things interesting, but boy, how about four deflections can make things interesting. 2-2 two, two now. We're still in the first period. There are 28 shots on goal, probably 30 hits apiece. Let's quick pull up the board here on that one. Because boy, this was an odd goal. Dimitri Orlov takes a shot from the point. Face-off win by Lars Eller. Just, I love Lars Eller. Shot, deflect, deflect, and oh, Tukaras could not see it at all. He's got Lars Eller and Matt Grizzlick's face, or butt right in his face. Couldn't see a darn thing. Orlov shot. Let's see who gets deflected. I think Connor. See, but Bergeron's there. Bergeron with a face-off loss, guys. It went off the leg of, who is that? Chandler, that's not Chandler Stevenson, is it? I couldn't see how that was. It went off a leg, went off a body, and Tukaras didn't see it all and went in. So we're tied at two with three minutes left. Let's see if we can get a look at it here. They're showing the replay back. Went off someone's skate and just trickled on through. Yeah, Matt Grizzlick with the provide helping provide the screen in front, not getting Lars Eller out of the way. Now Lars Eller is an interesting player. He's never a point getter, big point getter guy. Big point getter guy. Make that a thing, Oxford Dictionary. But he's he's a guy that can play the second line if he needed to, but he's really effective, obviously, in those the role play, the death roles that he plays. But he's very good at just working hard, getting pucks, and moving his feet. And remember we talked about a little bit with the whole Philip Grubauer taking over in 2018 in the first two games of Kyle Bukowskis just a few minutes ago? Who is the guy that really turned that series around or who scored the goal when Brayden Holpe took over in game three, the game winner in double overtime? Lars Eller off his big fat derriere. How about that? that? Then that's what helped Washington. That was their first of 16 wins that year to win the Stanley Cup. So, but boy... Lots of great stuff going on. Oh, boy. Why is Peyton Turnage putting out graphics? Hold on, let's see here. Huh? Oh, no. <laughs> Peyton Turnage has already given up on the Preds. He says, hi, I'm Matt. Du-. So it's a picture of Matt Duchesne in a Colorado Avalanche jersey. He's saying, hi, I'm Matt Duchesne, and I have direct TV. Back when Matt Duchesne was the very skilled player that, you know, he was in the big deal, of course, went to Ottawa. That's how good he was at that point. And then they show Matt Duchesne for the Nashville Predators. And I'm Nashville Predators, Matt Duchesne, and I have cable. Peyton Turnage just chirping his own team on the on the Twitters. Boy. I'm serious, though. That, you know how awesome that would be? The the putting like six mem- like a few members from each fan base on a Zoom chat together and just let them have it at each other. Do you know how crazy that would be? Well, because remember those that and I couldn't I didn't want to mention this with Kyle because Sportsnet and TSN, they're two different entities. Uh, by a long shot, two different companies own them. And I had mentioned to him, and I and I remember I what they did in the World Juniors, how they had like nine fans from each country or twelve fans or whatever it was show up like on the during the game. They would show them like, here's all the Canadian fans watching tonight. And they're all like, woo, or Sweden fans, Finnish fans. 
Let's put them all in the same chat and just see what happens. Now, if you're going to nationally televise it, you're going to have to put a discretion there at the bottom or the beginning of the broadcast. The words and languages, and you're going to have to like someone moderating it because, boy, there's going to be some people that are saying some anger, especially, and I know this is maybe an old Canadian reference for you folks, but the Anglophone and Francophone uh, fan bases uh, going at each other. That could stir up some uh, some old some old wounds and rip those open and put some salt in there because, boy, there's going to be some folks that are going to be like, I remember in 1982 when we tried to vote you guys out of here. They probably Okay, they don't sound like that. I don't know why I went full Southern. Sorry, when you work at a radio station and they, tip, they typically the people that complain to you uh, have that kind of Southern draw. But anyways, right now we got a great game going on from Boston and Washington. That's how we're going to turn the story here on that one. About 10 minutes left here on the Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Remember, make sure you tune in on Thursday here at 12 Ounce Sports. We'll be live from 6 to 7 p.m., only, only an hour. Just a quick show. Maybe we'll have a guest on to chat it up some, talk about some playoff hockey. Maybe talk about a team that's winning. Maybe talk about a team that's losing. That's got to be foreseen in these playoffs. Lots to go. Lots to go around here. But boy, you know, and I remember how I said that the Washington-Boston game of the first four games was the most boring and I and that just me and that just shows like oh the people probably took offense to that when I said it but I'm like let's be honest guys look at all the other games the New York Islanders pulling off the upset on the road the Battle of Florida being the most physical chippiest game I've ever seen well not ever seen I remember the IHL back in the 90s that's not the case but like for what it was it was physical fun and it just made sure you knew that it was playoff hockey and speaking of playoff hockey we got Connor Sheary in a tangle. Who is that? Riley? Mike Riley? No, who is that? It's not Mike Riley, is it? We had a little bit of a wrestling match at the side of the goal there in the Boston zone. Well, good to know that uh, that all parties are okay. And good to know these teams don't like each other. That's the best part, right? Yep, it's a good battle in front. Sheeran Riley. Sheeran gets taken down, and he doesn't let go of him, and then they uh, they continue to uh, say hello to each other in words that the, you really can't say out loud to the, the children there, folks. So certainly, lots of uh, lots of animosity between these two teams. And like I mentioned, it's been nine years since these two teams have faced off in the postseason, but these teams play quite a bit. They play, play each other three times each year since the realignment back in 13-14. They weren't even in the same division back then either. Back in those days, the Washington Capitals were in the Southeast Division, Boston in the Northeast. The Atlantic was the Philadelphia teams. I don't think the Rangers were in the... Oh, gosh, I don't remember. I can't remember the old alignment. I could probably tell you the Adam Smythe, Adam Smythe, Patrick, and Norris divisions, no problem. I can tell you those four. Most, well, better than I could tell you the, the six division setup they had. I can tell you it was the... It's what they were. They were the Northeast Atlantic... Southeast in the east, and in the west it was Central, Pacific, and Northwest. And I think, gosh, no, I don't want to try to do math now, but I'm going to have to. Ah, it's awful. There are five teams in each division, right? Because 15 in each conference back in those days. I think that one's for a summer one. Try to remember the division alignment for this year. That'd be something. Let's just go back to, you know, 1953, where there were no divisions. It was six teams. Who cared who won the division? So the first period just wrapped up at the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. 
2-2, the score between the Caps and the Bruins. Shots on goal, as I quickly scroll down here. Shots were 18 apiece, so literally in every way, figuratively, it was pretty even. However, face-off percentage, 70 to Boston, 30 to the Caps. So everything else, not too shabby. Giveaways were 2-1, to one, takeaways were 3-2, to two, block shots were 7-3 to three in favor of Boston, but other than that, pretty entertaining game. 0-0, zero, zero, just a few minutes into Nashville, Carolina, down there in Raleigh, the PNC Arena. They have a few fans, as far as I know, down there. So I don't know if it's going to be as loud as BBNC. That, that's still the befuddling part in all this. And I know Florida has been one of the front runners for loosening up COVID restrictions here in the United States. But, oh, okay, there's a few fans are in Carolina, which makes this series very intriguing, right? Because Carolina, they're going to have their fans. They're very rowdy fans. They're in PNC Arena. Proud fan base to have in Carolina. Now, just it's, it's hard to get up to go to Raleigh, North Carolina for a game when you're going to see North or your Carolina Hurricanes get, get hammered. That's because that's how it was for a good chunk of years there between 09 and, what, 20, shoot, 2019? That's how, it was, that's how bad it was for Carolina for a few years there. And so you have that. But, of course, then again, on the flip side, they have Smashville. And Smashville, Bridgestone Arena has been filling up a little bit more and more, and they're going to sound like they're opening things up a little bit more of these playoffs. So you're going to have two very loud buildings in this playoff series. And that's why it's such a bummer. Toronto, Montreal, and their respective arenas will be, it'd be awesome. I saw Pierre Lebrun's article for The Athletic earlier today, and he was talking to Guy Carboneau, Kirk Muller, Dougie Gilmore, Wendell Clark, Felix Potvan, and I think Vinny Damfus, because they discussed what could have been in the 93 final had Toronto defeated the Los Angeles Kings. And it's so funny because they talk about the late Pat Burns, of course, because Pat Burns had just left the Montreal Canadiens in 92 to come to the Toronto Maple Leafs to head coach. And I, I always find that funny because you know, like that would have been a great storyline there, but just the fact that it was Toronto-Montreal in the Stanley Cup final for the first time, and at that point it would have been only 26 years for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I just you wonder how that series would have gone. And in that article, Montreal, the Montreal guys, Muller, Carboneau, and Van Poot said, yeah, it would have been a lot tighter than the L.A. Kings series. Now, the LA, they beat L.A. in five that year in the 93 final, three of which had gone to overtime where some guy named John LeClaire just decided he was going to be the best player on the Montreal Canadiens during that series. After, Of course, that's after Eric Desjardins' hat-trick in game two, by the way. Now, granted, Patrick Wall was actually their best player. That's why he won the Smythe Trophy that year because he was, argu- he was not arguably, he was the best goaltender in those playoffs. But rookie Felix Potvan, Versus veteran Vesna and then, like we said, consummate trophy winner, Montreal Canadian goaltender Patrick Waugh. You talk about a goaltending battle. That would have been fun to watch. But just, then you just go down the list. Muller versus Gilmore. Clark versus LeClaire. Desjardins versus uh, maybe Todd Gill. I'm trying to think of the, the defense core there for the least. James McCowan, maybe. But I mentioned Potvan versus Waugh would have been amazing. The depth guys on both teams, Carbono for Montreal, Mike Felino was still there, of course, Nikolai Borshevsky. The, the 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 rosters on the both those teams, it would have been the most I however it would have played out. Five games, four games, six games, seven games, it would have been the most memorable playoffs finals, I think, in Canada. Simply because of the fact that since then. 
hold on before I say there's only been three. No. Three. I think there's only three. Hold on. I got I got a minute. I got a minute here to think about it. 2004 was Calgary. 2006 was Edmonton. 2007 was Ottawa. Oh, Vancouver in 2011 as well. So there's only been, since then, there's only been four instances where we've seen a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup Finals in the last 28 years. Is this the year? Well, they have odds. There's going to be a 25% chance that a Canadian team makes it no matter what. So, because there's going to be one team from the North Division representing Canada, representing the country. It's going to be Canada versus, well, three United States teams that have a lot of Canadians and a lot of other players from around the world on there. But you know what? That's it, guys. We probably should wrap it up here. Got a couple minutes for Talking Miners with the Rando coming up here on 12 Ounce Sports. I'll be talking hockey playoff action and basketball and maybe a little baseball. Well, we have to wait and see on Talking Miners with the Rando coming up here next here on 12 Ounce Sports. We'll be back Thursday for the Quick Shift Edition. TKS, just an hour. That's all we need to talk about the playoffs. Maybe we'll have someone here to help me out as well. It always helps to have another person because, you know, when I'm, when I'm wrong, Make sure I'm not a complete fool. But that is it for this one, this episode of The Kuehl Show, folks. Thank you very much for watching. Use the hashtag TKS when we talk about today's show at The Kuehl Show, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Give us a follow on there. And if you couldn't watch the entire episode today, that's fine. Check out the replay on The Kuehl Show YouTube channel or your favorite podcatcher as well. I am Tyler Kuehl, the insider of the insider, saying thank you very much, and we'll see you next time here on The Kuehl Show. 